What up, survivors? Welcome to D180, the horror movie podcast, taking you on a ride. Thanks for riding with us. I'm AJ. I'm Johnny. And I'm Brittany. And moving right along with our theme for June, Final Girl Summer. Where every movie this month includes a final girl who has made her mark in the bad bitch genre. It's a genre. Taking a ride on our third movie this month. I am super excited, which unfortunately I had an attitude a few minutes earlier. But you know what? I'm just going to use that attitude and put it in the heat for this episode. Y'all thought I came hard in the scream episode. You got another fucking think coming okay because we are finally getting into i said it like we've been doing this for a long time it ain't been that long but we are finally getting into 1984's a nightmare on motherfucking elm street and i am excited i love a nightmare on elm street hey ashley i got a question don't piss me off this early Damn, why it gotta be like that? Why can't I really Cause I ask know you, you a question? Because I know you and I'm telling you. Okay, I'm still <laughs> gonna ask it. Um, did they use a scene in this movie for a scary movie? I don't know. I mean, oh, I think when, um, oh, you know what? When Tori Spelling had the number 10 jersey on, she was getting fucked up the wall. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I had to think about it. I was like, did they? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sound like it adventurous, I guess. See, wasn't even gonna piss you off. This was an actual question. I mean, I don't know playing with you. I really don't know. You're okay? right. You're and right. I'm just telling you. When it comes to this one, this final girl right here, I'm a dog walk you. And that's all y'all. Any of y'all who just don't understand why Nancy Nicole Thompson is the best final girl. You about to find out today, okay? I don't know how long this episode is just yet. I'm pretty sure it's long because when it comes to her, I could talk. Y'all thought I could talk about Freddie. I could talk about Nancy. Period. What movie, what horror movie do you know that was selected to be preserved in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress? It's quiet. Ain't no back talk. Do you know a horror movie? It probably is other ones, but as far as I'm concerned, it's only this one. So, um, what you making that face for? What? What you making that face for? (laughs) Continue. Keep talking. Oh, I'm just, I'm just. Okay. I'm, I'm catching faces. I'm catching looks. I'm just telling y'all, y'all, I'm if. Y'all know how I always be like, I'm not gonna bully y'all, or I tell Britney stop bullying y'all. I'm gonna be that person today. I'm telling you. Okay, this movie is currently streaming on Netflix, HBO Max. It's somewhere else too. I own it, so there's that. Obviously, <laughs> I watched it on the net of the flicks. And then they got the nerd to have that. I watched it on um, on there too. HBO Max. I know. um, The first time I watched it for the show, I watched it on HBO Max. And then 
the two more times that I watched <laughs> I watched it on my DVD. And so, of course I had to watch the commentary. You can also find it on Peacock. I knew it. I'm like, it's somewhere else. Yeah. I'm like, I knew it was somewhere else, which is crazy because usually this franchise is very hard to find. Like before streaming was a thing, even when streaming was a thing, you wasn't seeing this movie. Like, no, you ever, you might see uh, Freddy versus Jason before you see any of these movies or I want to say, no, that's it. The remake, yeah, but who cares? Um, anyway, yeah, just like that. Just know you guys are blessed for having this movie on all these platforms. So this means there is no motherfucking excuse for you not having had seen this movie. And with that being said, I can't hold my shit. I'm just gonna press the spoiler button now because I'm liable to say anything. So the other night I had this dream and I was not myself. Normally my dreams are myself. This time I was a man. I don't know whose body I was in, but I was in someone's fucking body. And he was accused of murder, but he didn't really murder people. And so everyone is vilifying the man, AKA me. And like, I get caught up in a shootout. I get shot multiple times. And I'm over here riddled with bullets and crying, trying to like explain the fact that like, I didn't do anything and nobody would believe me. It was weird as hell. There's a movie for that, but I can't tell you what it is quite yet, but there's a movie for that. Damn. It's very, very loose, very loose, but kind of, sort of. And then I told my boyfriend, he was like, you need to stop watching extra movies before you go to bed. I'm like, nigga, I barely cut on my TV. If I don't have something like concrete to watch, I literally was just chilling in here. And then I'm like, okay, I'm tired. And I went to bed. I normally sit in my house in silence, y'all. I'm weird. Wait, Ashley, have you seen Wanda's movie that they named after Doctor Strange? Because it belongs to Wanda. (gasps) I haven't seen my sweetheart yet. Damn. Okay, let's see it, please. Because I, I was all about, about to talk about it, but I can't reference it now. I know. All right, I'm going to let it go. But just know, survivors, if you've seen it, you know what I was going to reference from that film because I have dreams like that all the time. And I want to say that it probably is Brittany. Uh-uh. That's all I got to say. It, it probably is Brittany because she's a bitch on a bad day and i can see it on a bad day dream britney being dream britney hell i think y'all can too (laughs) speaking of dreams i um i love to dream honestly even if it's like one that i don't really favor too much um most of the time when i wake up i love to write my dreams down and like look them up and try to decipher them and see what they Girl, mean. Me too. I got a whole dream journal like right beside my bed on my nightstand. And it's kind of weird because a lot of my dreams become true. But I mean, outside of that, like those moments of you having deja vu, those moments of you seeing a face that you've only seen in your dreams, but then you see it in real life and it's just like that what the fuck moment. But now just imagine your dreams not even being safe. Like every now and then you have a nightmare and I be having some trippy ass nightmares, but I can imagine going to sleep and every single night 
I'm having this same nightmare. Now I do have this, and I think I told you guys about this in our Krampus episode. I do have this one nightmare that's reoccurring where I'll just end up walking. You know how dreams do you transition, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'll just walk into a dark room and it's always a different group of people. Sometimes the faces are the same, but the group is always different. And just like in Krampus, if you haven't seen that movie, I already pressed the spoiler alert button, so there you go. They just disappear into the ground, like something like literally pulls them into the ground. They just disappear. And then I'm the only one left in the room. It's almost like, I can't, I was about to say that one movie, Brittany, of the people in the room standing on the dots. But I don't want to say it because I don't want, Johnny hasn't seen it. I know she ain't seen that movie yet. I love that movie. Well, I, yes. yeah, you, you know I love that movie. <laughs> but that's, what, that's exactly what it'd be like. It's a cross between that movie and them getting pulled down in the snow and Krampus. Whenever we do that movie, I have a whole article that I want to talk about that I reference in class. Yes, I reference a horror movie in an academic setting and completely merged it. Worked together perfectly. I loved it. I will give that to y'all survivors if we ever go back to this movie, which I'm sure we will. Right, we will. At some point, we'll get to it. But you know yeah, what? go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You know what? My dreams always revolve around... I mean, sometimes I have pleasant dreams, but it's either... Damn, this is gonna sound like Trump. It's gonna be traumatic as hell. Let me go ahead and say it. My family members are dying. I'm dying. I had dreams like both of those. But you know, of course, when I die, it's like my dream restarts and I just find a new way to die. Like it's kind of fucked up. It's not like I get a reprieve. Like one time I had this dream, I was, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. I was riding on an overpass, but it was a very windy overpass. So kind of like I was in Mario Kart, except there was no cart. For some reason, I was just like sliding down. It was me and a bunch of people. And I kept restarting the dream, kind of like Run Lola Run, where I would die. I would just fall off the side of the bridge and like go down into the water, but I would never hit the water. But mm. I would go back up and I would fall at a different part every single time. Um, I never finished the race, apparently, but I did die a couple times. And then there's always the dreams that I have that are like, the one I mentioned before, Ashley, where I had the very sunny ass dream that turned into a massacre because somebody got stuck in a sprinkler system and then it rained their pieces. No way. <laughs> I'm sorry y'all looking at me like that, but I, I definitely had that dream. Like Your I was blood at, all over me. Exactly. That's rain exactly me. what it was. Rain, rain, I needed an umbrella. Because it was a sunny-ass fucking game. And I don't know what the fuck it was. Because me at a game, y'all, an outdoor sporting event, hell would have froze over. But I guess it's why somebody died. Because while I was at the game, they got stuck. And, like, all their parts except their head, because their head kept winding around, just flew everywhere. Yeah, no. I, I'm not going to sit here and sound like I don't have odd and bizarre dreams. It just gets me that you really cannot remember how your dream ends and how it begins. Like, you know where you stopped, but is that really what happened? Like, how did you even get where we started? Maybe it's like The Sims. You just kind of just wake up fully grown in this random ass place with somebody, um, probably Brittany or AJ, controlling you. I mean, no, that's honest, because you ever notice, and this is like an off-tangent, but y'all gonna feel it. If you play The Sims, have you guys ever, like, not played for a second, and then you log back in, and niggas did their own thing? Like, they in different households. It's new families. You'd be like, 
They don't have fucking kids. Like, who gave you permission to get married, bitch? But I'm like, I wasn't playing this. So what was y'all doing? Is <laughs> this still makes sense? Like Grand Theft Auto, when you switch person and all of a sudden they sit in an apartment and you're like, nigga, I left you at the store. Now I've had a couple of dreams where I'm fighting niggas and I wake up and I have bruises in the exact same place that they inflicted pain. Okay, now I have had that happen to me where I wake up and I have scratches on me, but they're never from Freddy. Aww. I always wake up when I be fighting shit. This one time I punched Jose. Y'all, that was not, oh. not, not good oh. at all. You know how he stared me the fuck down? Oh yeah, side note, fuck you, you keep. Okay. With that dream you be talking about. You thought I wasn't going to mention it and we talking about dreams. Your subconscious hates me. I don't think your subconscious and my subconscious are friends. Um, We're friends, but I think that you, you, you're wishing for my downfall, you Keith. This tangent is for you and you alone. Besides, you're a Freddie hater, so Ashley will allow it. Back to me being upset that Freddie, the man of my dreams, has not come to see me in my dreams. So, about that... I was just complaining and you know what happens when you complain shit happens <laughs> and it definitely happened if you don't know i am currently in japan at the time of recording i was not so my second night in japan i was chilling in my bed i was feeling a little sleepy but i wasn't quite there yet so i'm on my phone i decide to turn on a little movie just so i can like relax and next thing i know i'm lying in the bed and my body just sinks into the goddamn bed and I'm like, oh, uh oh, what is this? What's going on? Because what's happening? So there is a coat rack in my little foyer or threshold area when you first walk into the studio apartment that's behind three sliding frosted glass doors, okay? So from where I am in the bed that's on the other side of the apartment, I can see the coat rack and I'm looking at it and this fucking coat rack morphs and i'm getting goosebumps recalling this story morphs into a big dark shadow and i'm freaking out at this point i can't lift shit my head is heavier than usual all i can do is just move my eyes and i am fighting i'm fighting for my life <laughs> and it just was not happening so have you guys seen the movie dead silence you remember when henry knocked over mary shaw's casket and she stood up and just started floating towards him the black shadow starts floating towards me and i'm fucking freaking out i'm telling you like i'm just like what the fuck and i'm in japan i watch j-horror we just did the ring and the grudge i'm not playing with you samara and other little homegirl minako i'm not playing with y'all so the figure gets close to me gets close to me and right as it gets to my bed i was able just to like snap out of it it was almost like max and spoiler alert it was almost like max in stranger things but um yeah I'm convinced that that was definitely Freddy, and um, I'm, I'm not going to complain no more. Okay, back to the show. And I know we're not really focusing on him today, but I am. Sorry. Um, I told y'all this in the Halloween episode. I, I said I was going to do this, but we are going to focus on Nancy Nicole Thompson. Now, before we do all that, we have to get into... <laughs> Park Recommendations. So for this week, 
once again, this is one of those movies that is in a class of its own. Of course, yes, it did come in the post-Halloween era, but it did something different, which is why it stands out and is one of the big three. Or its villain is one of the big three for, you know, clear terms. Anyway, if you enjoy A Nightmare on Elm Street 1984, please, for the love of God, John A., get into Stranger Things season four. I cannot deal by the time y'all hear this i will have been done with the season britney refuses to watch this season until the second volume comes out that's her problem um as for me i'm impressed i'm impressed i'm impressed if you're on patreon patreon whatever i'd be calling it patreon whatever we've been getting down on there y'all know what it is if y'all want to hear some more of that y'all can go check that out but no the duffer brothers and i'm gonna say this and if you mess with me, you mess with me. If you don't, screw you. Let the Duffer Brothers do the new Nightmare movie. Let them do it. There isn't one happening, but let them do it. I don't know how to, they gonna top what they did in Stranger Things 4, but just let them do it. They'll figure it out. I got faith. Now listen, survivors, I might lose some of y'all, but it's not uh -huh. my fault. It's not my fault at all. All right, listen, and I'm gonna give an argument before I say this movie. It's the sins of the father. It's well, the sins of the father. The sins of the parent. Father the child. One. Yeah, except the parents fully aware, and then the other parent is fully a part of it. Now, listen. If you don't fuck with musicals, you're not gonna get it. But if you do fuck with musicals, 2007 Sweeney Todd is your motherfucking shit. Oh, I love Sweeney Todd. Now look, here's the thing. Johnny's face was filled with concern as Britney was leading up to the title. And as soon as the title dropped, the whole mood changed. Because this film is diabolical as shit and people sleep on it because they're singing. Like, come, y'all, trust me, listen to Britney. Fuck with Sweeney Todd, a demon barber on Fleet Street. You should watch, watch the Tim Burton version. Um, or you can watch the plays, whichever one you feel like, but I like the Tim Burton version because why? My nigga Johnny Depp. You fucking right. <laughs> That's funny for multiple reasons. Not only because he's in this movie, but also because of the climate of what's going on in his life right now. But I know. Yay. Sorry. And Sorry. then don't <laughs> don't sleep on um Helen Boham Carter because that bitch in there too. And when you when she in a fucking movie. You know that shit gonna be good and she gonna play the fuck out that role. It's and like Johnny and Helen together. Magic. You fucking Magic. know it's gonna be good when them two is together. You be like, who win it? Johnny Depp and Helen Carter. Oh, I, oh, I'm fucking there. It's in theaters. Look, some people know how I feel about theaters. Sometimes I, I don't feel like go going. I see it in theaters too. I think I had went with a group. Like, cause when did this come out? I feel like I was 12 when this came out. 2007. I feel like I was, no, I was in high school in 2007 and I went to go see this with a group of people and I was in love. I love Sweeney Todd. I saw this in my sperm, well, that film at my sperm donor's house because he played it and it was good. I watched it multiple times. I had to try it the second time because as like everybody else, it was a fucking musical and I was like, I don't watch fucking musicals. I do. Then came back 
Oh no, I do. Came back and watched it again because I was like, I'm gonna give it a shot. We know like, Tane does. She had me watch Grease. Listen. Oh, oh, oh. Damn. See? Damn. See? God don't like ugly. What well, you gonna do? I was about to say, they have a go go version of a Grease that's about to be. And, and them Timberlands in the. Oh my God. Johnny, Johnny. So Brittany visited the DMV, right? Brittany's in the car with me. We're riding to a gay bar. Happy Pride Month, y'all. Um, I say, Brittany, this is the music they listen to here in D.C. This is called go-go music. Or, as I call it, Tim's in a washing machine music. Oh, Brittany. The disrespect. And did I lie, Brittany? No, the fuck she didn't. It did sound like Tim's in the washing machine. When that fucking beat dropped, I said, ain't no way in fuck. You gonna fuck your whole spin cycle up like this. The disrespect. And I can't even remember what song was on, but it wasn't like any of the ones that you know that I like. It wasn't none of them. It and was then the like, fucked up part is, it was I remember. That you know. <laughs> I remember where I was when it happened. We were going left on a side street waiting for a red car to get the fuck out of a parking spot, and they never did. Um, right. <laughs> and then she was like, this is the music and i'm like huh and then i heard it in the beat drop and i'm like god damn and this all happened in the span of a small ass street the yep. disrespect <laughs> oh survivors if you have any park recommendation that fits today's ride let us know on our twitter or down in the dms you go down let me be very real with y'all i am not sure if i ever talked about this but I have no idea when was the first time I saw this movie. Almost like like Scream. I know I talked about like it's always been there, but I kind of have that recollection of that moment where I seen Casey Becker die. With A Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, I really don't know. I know I had to be like 12 or 13 when I finally saw like the entire movie, but I know I had seen pieces of it because I know full well that I had already seen Dream Warriors and I had already seen New Nightmare before I saw the original movie. Uh-oh. No, I already knew about this. I already knew. So oh, okay. it, ain't no, it ain't no surprise to me. Because I thought, I thought, I fully thought that, oh yeah, I've seen it. And then as I was watching it, I was like, I don't think I've seen this. No, because remember, you com- you admitted it on one of the episodes because I think I made a Freddie reference and that's when you said it. Oh, because sometimes, my, y'all, lately my memory been trash and I really thought that maybe I have seen it. And then, I don't know. I do remember like iconic scenes where it's like, oh, okay, I've seen that somewhere. Mm. But like, yeah, this is my first watch, y'all. Well, this makes me happy because now I could totally brainwash you. What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Damn. Okay, y'all. I got a story that leads into when I first watched this. So I don't know what year it was, but you know when VH1 used to have the I Love the Decade show? So it was like, mm-hmm. I love the 70s. I love those. Yep, yep. So when the 80s rolled around and I hit 84, you know, of course, they mentioned this fucking movie. Of course. I hadn't seen the movie yet. And so I, of course, heard about different parts of the movie. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I knew about the scene or these scenes, the bathtub and the 
oh wait that's not really using words the bedroom scene i knew about the bathroom and the which, bedroom scene which bedroom scene right okay but we know which one you're t- you know what that scene. oh that those <laughs> made me scenes? think of cabin in the woods when he was like you know what war are the ones that i knew of before i had ever watched this movie and i'm surprised because sperm donor normally had me watching all types of fucked up shit so i don't know why i never saw this film I, until then so i watched the i love the 80s version and i was like, okay this this film seems like i want to get into it let's go ahead it it's been like that ever since that's how the story goes i kept watching the film after that and then i watched all all of them the first time i watched all of them i'll never forget that i okay look y'all survivors we film here don't y'all be snitching because i shut all this shit down um, the very first time I seen every single one, I was doing my niece's box braids. This is when box braids just came back. This was like, what, 2013? No, 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 no. I graduated. So this was like 2014. And um, I had my laptop, one, two, three movies <laughs> on the website. And we just sat there as I braided her hair and watched every single nightmare movie while I braided her hair from one. And I think we made it to like, we made it to six, but I know she didn't finish it. I did, but I think I finished it like later, but that was an event. (laughs) So look, let's get right into it. Just like I give a disclaimer for a lot of our bigger episodes, it's a lot of info. Y'all know this is, y'all know what this movie is for me. So y'all know I'm about to be on my P's and Q's, but just to save time, a lot of things I'm probably just going to say for the summary, and we'll just probably keep it real cute in this section. So with that being said, this movie was directed by the one, the only, the maestro of horror, Wes Craven. This is our second Craven movie, the first one being Scream that we did with the Carpenter Queens. And of course, we did The Hills Have Eyes, but we did the remake, but Wes was still attached to that one. This one is produced by Bob Shea, who um, this movie, him and Wes, they was duking it out, y'all. Look, like legit fighting. They fought over the infamous stair scene that Nancy runs up in her house. They also fought over the ending, which we'll get to that ending because it was some silly shit, but we'll talk about it later. Our next producer is Sarah Richer. We have our music by Charles Bernstein, who jammed on the beat. Some of y'all, if y'all know me in real life, y'all know that I will listen to a Nightmare on Elm Street soundtrack when I ride home in the dark. It's very eventful. Don't make that face, Johnny, because you know I do that, especially during I knew October. that you listened to the soundtrack. The part that threw me was when I ride home in the dark. <laughs> what? You have to do it. I'm telling I thought, you. I thought it was part of your workout playlist. <laughs> it is. See? Okay, so, so the part where... Um, oh... And I should know the name of it, but the part where she's down in the boiler room and is very synthy, run to that after you run to disaster piece heels. Like, just put them back to back. I bet you run for your life because you really don't think somebody behind you. But yeah, no, 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 no. Listen to it. Like, one night when you just, when it's dark or even when the sun is setting, just turn on that soundtrack from the very beginning. That's a free haunted house right there. Oh, <laughs> like I've listened to this writing to a haunted house, but it's like, what else would you? You're supposed to play Halloween music 
and stuff when you go. But yes. Anyway, our main cast, we have Heather Lincoln Camp as Nancy Nicole Thompson. Uh, obviously, if you knew here, I name all my final girls. You got Sydney Marie, Lori Renee, Nancy Nicole. That's it, it is what it is. Anyway, I came across this documentary and it's down at the bottom in the show notes along with other content from content creators. You guys can find that. I came across this documentary. It's called I Am Nancy, right? And it's actually by Heather Langenkamp, who plays Nancy. And I have to say, it's it's pretty cute because I didn't know what exactly it was going to be. But basically, the documentary is talking about how Nancy, the character, as quote unquote big as she's made out to be, she's not really what she's made out to be, if that makes sense. So for example, it's following her going to tattoo shops, going to conventions, going to different horror places and hearing how people will talk about Freddie. But then when it comes to her, like, have you seen a Nancy action figure before? Right. They have one, but it's her in the bathtub scene. The doll doesn't move like at all. And it doesn't even look like her. They have another one. Exactly, exactly. And you already know how to do girls. Exactly. Thank you. Then the other one is her in the bed, which is, you know, both of those scenes are iconic, but none of the figures look like her. It just looks like a pale little white girl with brown hair. Like, it could be anybody. It could be Megan off the street or something. You know what I'm saying? So the whole documentary is basically just following along that vein, like, talking about how all the horror heads get tattoos. And she's like, well, how many times have you done a tattoo of Nancy? Like, is that a thing? You know, da, 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 da. But she goes on to extend it to all final girls. She's like, usually in these movies, we're rooting for the villain, but do we really root for the final girls? Like, where's their love? Like, where's their blah, 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 blah. And I mean, obviously we doing it right now, final girl summer, and we seen other think pieces and we've had chats about final girls and blah, 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 but she still, to the end of this day, has a point. Do you see Lori action figures? Nope. Sally I mean, Hardesty? Honestly, Ashley, what Lori action figure gonna have a clothes hanger? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> no more wire hangers. Now, oh, so many of them. And what the fuck <laughs> Sally gonna have? A window? I just, like, <laughs> it just, a figurine will suffice. Sydney I mean, Prescott, she can have hers with the phone. I don't know. Like, a figure, it don't have to be a full-out action figure. I know you trolling, but I'm just saying, like, something, you know? Like, that's just so crazy. Even though, like I said, we're giving them their flowers, and so many other people do, but watching that documentary was crazy. Even the fact that the documentary, and I, I love Nancy to death, I'm not making fun of her, it was very iMovie. It wasn't even, like, quality it wasn't net at all it was definitely student film iMovie text all of that but you guys can check that I, I know I know my final girls they need some love which is why when we get to a certain movie I'm gonna rip the ending for shreds if you know what I'm talking about already when it comes to final girls you know no, but anyway you know what you're right can I just make one little point mm-hmm. some of the final girls don't deserve action fingers now Nancy okay. 
Nancy do. Now, I ain't finna take it. I ain't finna hold you. And you know I'm all about, I got the lung capacity for smoke, so I ain't blowing smoke up your ass just for the, the hell of it. She deserved one. But Lori? <laughs> white t-shirt? Them, them, what they so deserve? not even not even resurrection, Lori? With the pixie cut? No, all I mean, by then, you, your legacy done been laid. I'm sorry, but you ain't do shit. <laughs> you don't deserve one. We rooting for the villain because the villain putting in all that work. Now, I get the fact that they made the final girls like that up until a certain point, and then it was the turn of the head on the genre, and then we got the kick-ass girls. Mm-hmm. And those, those motherfuckers, they deserve a fucking action figure. Hell yeah. A movie sequence, like, done in it, done as an action figure. They deserve all that shit. But some yeah. of these final girls we mentioned some of Sally, the old heads. Sally, oh. literally, all she can have is a window. I don't want to go too far because John ain't seen that one yet. Or um, a fucking hammer. Damn. And you know what? The hammer scene. <laughs> right, that, the hammer ain't going to do her no justice. I know, but the hammer scene is for a specific reason because she didn't, she didn't do shit. Right. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> That's all. That's all I got. Wes picked the name Nancy as it came from one of the comic strips that he favored as a child. He also wanted to make sure that this character stood out from other final girls. And although she turns out to be likable, she does not really start that way. And now, okay, when you think about that, it is kind of weird. Because when you watch Nancy, if you're really paying attention, she is kind of bratty a little bit. You're like, hmm, I can tell your daddy paid for a lot of stuff. I can tell. But... As the movie progresses, she really does come around and she because it's almost like if you've seen the movie Happy Death Day, the main character in that movie, it's almost like that, except the character in that movie is like Nancy ain't getting no, 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 no. I'm not saying fighting wise. I'm just talking about attitude wise. Nancy is definitely a sweeter girl (laughs) than Tree. But yes. Anyway, continuing with our cast, we have Amanda Wiss as Tina Gray. Jew Garcia as well, Jew Garcia or Nick Corey as Rod Lane, who actually went under the alias Nick Corey and feared that his actual name wouldn't get him any work because at the time they weren't a time at the time they weren't hiring Italians. Johnny Depp in his first role as Glenn Lance. Um, originally, this was supposed to be Charlie Sheen, but he wanted 3000 stacks. They was like, no. And the reason Johnny got this role is because Wes Craven's daughter was like, um, daddy, he's fine. You have to put him in this movie. Thank you, please. Charlie Sheen was doing stuff back then? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm glad he didn't get the part. I'm glad he fucked this stuff up out this film because I would have been pissed off. Johnny Depp, need- Johnny Depp needed this debut. Because everybody who don't see this movie remember that, remember that shit. They'll never forget it. Yeah, I just couldn't see Charlie Sheen doing this. Nah. We have the Italian flame, John Saxon, as Lieutenant Donald Thompson. I just, I just absolutely adore him. I think this is his first time in the park. Yeah, this is his first time in the park. He's going to pop up a lot. You'll get to know him very well. Ronnie Blakely as Marge Thompson. 
Robert England as motherfucking Freddy Krueger. Oh my goodness. Ugh. The man of my dreams. I'm not going to get into him. I know this is like obviously the biggest role, but we'll save that for the next movie because I can go on and on and on and on and on. But originally, David Warner was originally casted as Freddie, seeing as the character was meant to be an older man. But David Warner had some time restraints, so they was like, okay, we got to recast. So when Robert England came in, they was like, um, this dude tiny. Like, I don't know if y'all know, but Robert is like five, nine, five, ten. He's, he's, he's a little short guy. So um, when they seen him, they was like, yeah, I don't know if he could do this. But apparently when he did his audition, y'all know how Robert is. If you've seen Robert act, y'all know Robert is classically trained and he takes that shit seriously. So he took cigarette ashes and like wiped them under his eyes. And he just went in his audition and just stared at Wes. And then I think he said one of his lines and then left and Wes was like, I think he can do it. I'm a little thrown off. I think he can do it. Get him. Fine. For their second appearance in the park, we have Joseph Whip as Sergeant Parker. His first appearance would be as Sheriff Burke in Scream. And I have a theory about him, how these movies are connected, but we'll come back to that. Charles Flesher as Dr. King, who a lot of you may know as the voice of Roger Rabbit now. Lynn Shea as Nancy's teacher, who a lot of you probably recognize from the Insidious franchise. Insidious. <laughs> that is how you pronounce it, and I really would appreciate it if you would say the name correctly. Speaking of that movie, my brother said he watched that for the first time the other day. He said he thoroughly enjoyed it. I was it funny that. for him, too? You know, I don't know. This was Christian. Right. It's part of the it's, it's James Wan because doesn't he like Conjuring Universe as well? That's Caleb. Oh, okay. I was about to say I, I expected him to like it. Okay, never mind. Because Christian didn't do the whole Conjuring marathon with me and Caleb. Right. Grounding out our cast, we have Robert Shea, which is Bob Shea, the producer, who has two uncredited roles as a broadcaster for the local TV news station and the KRGR radio station. Um, Bob Shea has this habit of he just, he want to be an actor. And I'm like, baby, that's not your role. You the producer. You the man at New Line. Just stay there. And I think he is in every nightmare movie except for three and maybe six and seven no he's in seven he's definitely he's in seven six i think so three and six i think he's not in those but all of the other ones i i'm pretty sure he pops up somewhere in some form but we'll talk about bob later let's get into some behind the scene facts real quick this movie was shot in 26 days <laughs> What? <laughs> First of all, Wes picked up the idea after reading articles about young men who were specifically AAPI that were dying in their sleep. One specific case detailed a kid telling his parents he didn't want to go to sleep, but as his dad was a physician, he gave him sleeping pills and the kid was knocked out. Relieved, the parents were shocked to hear screams witnessing their kid writhing around in the bed before dying right in front of their eyes. 
They also discovered that he wasn't even taking any of the sleeping pills that they gave him. And he also had a Mr. Coffee machine hiding in his room. Yeah, baby. Well, I mean, apparently, like, I just don't understand how this wasn't bigger news. This happened to more than one person. Like, this happened to a few people. Now, this had, uh, well, okay, it was kind of a thing because they, uh, because they ended up calling it, like, uh, Asian death syndrome. Because apparently, I think these people were refugees. Like, this is right after the war or something. I can't remember verbatim. Asian death syndrome. Yeah, they were, yeah. um, that they, they, I can't pronounce their ethnicity. They were K-A something. K-H-A. Something with a K. The yeah. only K I know is Korean. No, they Korean. weren't Koreans. Uh-uh. I want to say, for some reason, Cambodian is in my head, but obviously that's a C. But, uh, yeah. Khmer. They're Khmer immigrants. There you go. I don't know. Oh, I thought she was looking at me. I did, too. <laughs> I... No, I had it. No, I had it in my notes. I had wrote it down about them. Hold on. I can look oh. <laughs> It's a whole empire. I typed in the first word, and it was... India. Uh, okay. It's by, uh, by Thailand. Okay. But that wasn't the only inspiration that he would pull to bring all of this together. The title was simply just based on the fact that literally every town has an Elm Street. <laughs> and the idea of chaos going on in the suburban area is just uncanny. Of course, we've seen it in Halloween, but since Halloween, we wasn't really seeing it that much because all of those other slasher movies, we were going to camp, we were going to colleges, we weren't staying in the suburbs like we were for Halloween. The name Freddy Krueger came from a childhood bully of Wes's, along with a traumatizing tale of a man who pretty much got a kick out of scaring kids late night, popping up in Wes's window, then creeping into his apartment complex one night while him and his brother was alone. First of all, no. Nah, the cops would have been called because that's, what the fuck? So how the story goes is Wes was a kid. Like I said, he was home alone with his brother. He's looking out the window and he said he's seen like this homeless man. He had this hat, trench coat, walking down the street. And he said he was just watching him. He said all of a sudden the man just did like this, just looked at him like. Oh and God. yeah, and Wes just ducked down. And but we, I can, but I can see that though, because sometimes homeless people be getting a little froggy, right? But yeah, and then he was just like, I really think the dude just saw me there, and he knew he scared me, so he just wanted to keep going. Because when I popped back up, he was a little bit closer, and then he was walking into the apartment complex thing, and I was just like, "See, no, that's too uh, much. That's way you too your, much. You took your your job too far." Freddy's weapon of choice was inspired by the claws of a cat with the length and strength of a grizzly bear. Lou Carlucci and Jim Doyle, who took care of effects, crafted the knife and other practical effects for the movie that we are definitely going to get into. Don't think we're not. But before we do, David Miller, who was in charge of Freddy's makeup, based his look off actual burn victims and pepperoni pizza. And it's just like, when you look at his face, I'm like, it does kind of look like a really, really good melty cheese pizza. Pepperoni pizza, I'm disgusted. 
I'm disgusted. <laughs> like that's like why would you now look i can't defend the later movies and david miller didn't do all of those i can't defend those later movies because if you know me you know i say freddie was giving me bubble gum chewed bubble gum but in the earlier movies we was looking good he want to chew all on my bubble gum okay I'm and i'm just like look no i i allow that one because i know very well that it, it, it's not go look at freddie in part six go look at freddie in this Look at him in part two, especially, and then go look at six. Bubble gum. What the fuck? Bazooka, zooka, bubble gum. Double bubble. Yo, my mom, she gave me a dollar. She told me to buy a collar, but I ain't buy no collar. Instead, I bought some bubble gum. Bazooka, zooka, bubble gum. I don't know how I found that song one day, but I found it on LimeWire. And then it tripped me out because then at the end they started speaking Spanish and I was like, oh, what? Look, you probably held on to that and learned that too. Because I feel like our era, each of what? us probably has a song that we think other people don't know and they do. Mine was Jiggle It, but then Jiggle I found it. out Jiggle, Jiggle It was a big song Jiggle over it. on this side Jiggle when I Jiggle moved shaking here. It, Jiggle it, shaking it, Jiggle it, shaking it, shaking it. But where I was from, nobody knew that song but me and my best friend. We were the only ones that knew that song. So we just thought this was something that we just... You know what's funny? When my parents put me like in this dance class at the YMCA, we learned that... We learned a hip-hop game to that song. Yeah, that's why I'm like. It was big over here. <laughs> or like, I'll ask BJ, has he heard of this song? He'd be like, no, I ain't never heard of that song. But they huge in the Midwest, but they don't reach over here. I mean, that happens, but. Well, because I'm amped up, I'm hyped, and I know y'all like, Ashley, there's so much more to the movie that you didn't talk about. I'm telling you, I got you. You got to hold on to your seatbelt. But first, we got to break down this final girl, Nancy Nicole Thompson. So come join us in the queue line. Step in line. Your number is near. Follow the signs. Your time is here. I'm just telling y'all, and I didn't do this on purpose. Even though next week's movie might be a very, very good contender, but we ain't talking about that right now. We're talking about Nancy Nicole Thompson. Um, as you guys know, this month, we don't do our casual cue line. We basically have been evaluating all of our final girls that we talked about this month. If this is your first episode of the month with us, we have talked about Halloween with Miss Lori Renee Strode. And we also talked about the 2003, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Aaron. Now we're talking about Nancy Nicole Thompson. According to the book by Carol J. Clover, Man, Women, and Chainsaws, Gender in the Modern Horror Film, she gives kind of like a standard list of what the final girls should be. So all month we've been kind of breaking that down to see if these girls fit in that category, if they don't. And then we made up some categories on our own. So let's get it started like this. Nancy Thompson, y'all think she a virgin? I don't think she a virgin. She might be. I don't think she is. Maybe she's a front door virgin. Wait a minute. <laughs> Now, my only claim for saying that, and once again, if you skip the head, here's that spoiler alert one more time. Even though I don't know why you did, screw you. Um, when they're at Tina's house for the sleepover, 
And once her and Rod go in and then Glenn starts trying to make a move on Nancy, she's like, come on, we're not here. We're here for Tina. We're not for ourselves. So it makes me feel like they done this before. Maybe, or maybe this never got all the way. Maybe. So what should we put? To be determined? Inconclusive. <laughs> Inconclusive. A unisex name? Of course not. I don't. I don't know any boys named Nancy. Yeah, I don't know any boys named Nancy. Yeah, I don't know any boys named Nancy. Wait, there was a boy named named Nancy. named Nancy though. Not like Ooh. I knew them in life, but there there have been boys named Nancy. That's why I'm like, like, is that a unisex name? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you with that thing. Oh god. Okay, so look, listen. So baby name babynameshub.com say that records indicate that 1100 boys in the United States have been named Nancy since 1880. So yeah. I think it's more like an accident like okay, you thought that you were having a girl so you named the child Nancy and then you realized that it was a boy and you just never changed the name. Well, I mean to be fair, Ashley was a boy's name before it became popular to be a girl name. That's true. There are, if you look at a lot of movies, there are a lot of boy Ashley. Ash Williams, my favorite fight. Well, not my favorite final boy. Let's calm it down. But he's his name there. is Ashley. His name is Ashley. They just call him Ash. Oh. Yeah. So when you like, I'm telling you, because Evil Dead is, and it's crazy because it pops up in this movie, but because Evil Dead is so ingrained in pop culture for us in our age, when you finally see the movie, the first one especially, it's gonna be a what the F moment. And it could go both ways. Cause there's Man. some people that really like it, there's some people that's like, what the fuck? I was on the side of I really like it and it low key disturbed me, but I was very surprised at how the movie unfolded. So me and Brandon saw a movie and he made an appearance in the movie. And Brandon didn't even know who the fuck he was. I'm like, how you don't know how you don't know that man in that face? He ain't never seen Evil Dead. Damn. Granted, I haven't seen it either, but at least I know who he is. Right. <laughs> and Nancy, this one is easy. Uh, she is a that girl has some beautiful hair in real life and fake life. <laughs> that girl's hair is beautiful brown and luscious and full of body okay next category does she know the killer yeah I, I will have to say no at first she doesn't she gets to know him but I'm still going to give it a no so as far as Carol J's definition of a final girl uh, we don't know if Nancy is a virgin she has a unisex name she is brunette and she does not know her killer she does not have a unisex name Look, I thought we were. Uh uh. According no. to statistics, there oh. have been 2,946 males named Nancy. Out of how many website. people in the world? Okay, Dragger. look at this then. It's 0.29%. All right. Exactly. So that's close enough. It's no, it's not. It, it ain't, ain't got to be 50 50. It's not, you said how much percent? You said zero point what? That's not even 1%. And that's fine. That's still unisex. talking about numbers and percentages and statistics, that don't even make the mark. That's not a unisex I made a B in statistics, okay? Obviously not. Yes, I did. B is in Bravo, okay? That's statistically significant. Not in this argument because you failing. 
I'm not it failing. Is not, it is not a unisex Look, thing. it's more than it's more than point zero zero one. Statistically significant. We're gonna sit there and ride with it. That no. is niggas named Nancy. Okay, but it's not a unisex name. Those are outliers. Just because that ain't no outlier. Yes, it is. That's You're tearing me apart. Because I right, look the most the majority of baby names with Nancy happened between 1907 and 1982. That's when okay. the spike happened. So the movie ain't come out until 84 though. Oh, but she it, was born in like 60 something. So for her purposes, for her name at the time of when this film came out, she would have it would have been in the majority. It would have been a unisex name. So yeah. No, not and you're I, still not think in, you're not still in think- present day standards, but no, by then, yeah, that that would have been unisex. Okay, but the number of people who were born and the number of people who were named that, yeah, no, it's not unisex. The spike happened then, so it, it rides. If we were going no. by 2022 standards, then no, it wouldn't. No. But that is a unisex name. It is not a new unisex I'm name. I'm looking at the chart. It's I unisex. don't give a fuck. It's not unisex. Okay, it's you unisex. know what we're gonna do, survivors. Y'all tell us on our Twitter. We're going to leave this box open for right now because they are tearing me apart. Um, y'all tell us, do y'all think Nancy is a unisex name or it's no? Not. It is a woman's name. It I is feel, a lady. I, I, I feel you. I it feel is a you. feminine name. You know what? Names can't be feminine. It's fine. It's okay. You just want to put a label on a name. It's unisex. So you think Barbie is unisex? Hell yeah, I don't know in what world, but one what one of these worlds in the multiverse. Well, I mean in this, well, actually that was a bad example because Barbie, Nicki Minaj, oh never mind. That was a bad Exactly. Example. Yeah. It's feminine. <laughs> you just wanted to attach feminine qualities to a name. That's all. It's okay. Now we're gonna jump down to our next chart where the lines are a little bit blurred, but we're gonna figure it out. It's not unisex. Oh, okay. I was in the middle of a coffin fit, but yes, it is. Okay, you two. We are moving on. What final girl era are we going to put Nancy in? And I've been thinking about this really hard because she's not like Aaron. We put Aaron in Generation Remake. But I feel like Nancy also isn't a first generation final girl. Like, is she the baddest? Yes. But I don't, I still can't see her in the category with Lila Crane, Sally Hardesty, Jess Bradford, Lori Strode. What's Miss Mama's name from Friday the 13th? Not Guinea. Guinea is from part two. I cannot think of Miss Homegirl's name. Alice. There we go. I don't, oh, actually, Alice, I will put Alice and Nancy in the same category, actually. And those, both of those movies are in the 80s. So yeah, actually, I would put Alice and Nancy in the same category. So what do you think? What category of final girl era can we put them in? She's second gen, because that's the only reason why she does what she does. Because she had been first gen, Nancy wouldn't have been the bitch she is now. So you think by the 80s, the final girl was beginning to get a little bit tougher? Yeah, they were learning. I can see that. And that was so coming on the tales of... um feminist movement too so yeah that's why that's second gym no yeah because when you think about it in the 80s um i i do think we have a good argument for that because hear me out and i know we don't really 
mess with Miss Mamas too much. But 1979 was when Alien came out, and that's when we got um, Ellen. So I do agree with that argument that the final girls got a little more ballsy by the turn of the 80s. Because like I said, then you had Alice, you had Guinea follow-up from part one and two of Friday the 13th. Well, she wasn't in part one, but y'all know what I mean. Um, <clears throat> Arbu Nancy, like we're talking about. And then it keeps going from Kristen uh, to A Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, hold on. Then it goes on to Kristen. If you know about Kristen from Dream Warriors, yes. Christy Cotton from Hellraiser. And just literally right before we had a little drought and before we get into Sydney. And I think from Sydney, that was another layer of adding more to it. So I can agree with that. I think I think that's a good little category to put her in, second generation. Yeah, because she was um she came right at the second at the end of the second second wave of feminism. So it makes sense. Cause it ended in like the seventies. Oh feminism. Are you talking about Ripley? Mm-mm. Nancy. Ripley oh. too. Yeah. Ripley Ripley was written when it was ending. The second wave was ending. And so Nancy came afterwards. So all the effects had, you know, been laid by that point in time. So it makes sense. Yeah. Alien would have got the first wave of it. And then she would have caught the first wave of the ending of the second wave. That makes got sense. Got you. Okay. Got you. Got you. Got you. So they would have built off of her. So she's, they, they're both second gen. Got you. I understand now. Overall likability. How do we feel about sweet miss nancy okay look i do have to say this because i was gonna say it earlier this is the only person who has blue eyes that doesn't freak me out i was wondering because when she was looking at her mom in the kitchen i was like and she don't she not freaked out about this girl it's because hey hey not too much not too much on nancy not too much on heather those are her natural eyes i think heathers don't bother me because hers are such a deep blue that they damn near look purple. And some of the light is, it is kind of weird, but it, I don't know. She don't bother her. She's the only person who has blue eyes that does not bother me. Cause even Chucky's blue eyes freak me out. <laughs> is it cause of the hair? You think the hair might offset instead of having like thin hair? Like it might because in New Nightmare, please. If you have not seen New Nightmare, go watch it. That girl looks like an angel. Oh my God. It's um Is Courtney Cox's eyes blue? Or are her eyes blue? The reason I say that is because in New Nightmare, Nancy, her hair is a little more chocolate brown. So it brings out her blue eyes a little bit more. And she has on this purple three-piece suit with some little tights and some heels and she looks so good. But also in screen four, Gail rocks a similar look and it makes her eyes pop. So that's why I was trying to remember what her eyes blue or not. But her eyes are kind of, they're blue, but they're kind of greenish too. Okay. I mean, that might be blue green. Got you. Well, I think this just, I think the answer is yes. We like Nancy, no discussion. Like I said, she was a little bratty at first, but I don't think it's bratty enough for you not to like her. Yeah, I like Nancy. Blue, green. Even when she was bra- excuse me, even when she was um bratty, I liked her. I don't know. It just I mean, of- I did too. I never not liked her, but I can always call my people out. 
I liked her. There was just one thing I didn't like, but overall, I liked her. What didn't you like? Her mouth. It bothered me. Oh, the way she holds her mouth? Yeah. <laughs> she do hold it funny, because when one scene when she was crying, I was like, ooh, girl. That face <laughs> is so fucking ugly. It's cute. And her look, mother now, bothered me, too. Now I'm sitting here insecure trying to watch the way I'm holding my mouth. <laughs> anyway, I think this is very, very simple. Fight or flight? She fought. That bitch a fighter. Okay. Ain't no question. It ain't no flight in that girl body. Period. And if it is, it's on purpose. Trust me. Um, and I think that answers this next category. Is my girl a strategy girl? Yeah. Through and through. Did we talk okay. about strategy the last? There should be a whole fucking yeah. We, we talk talked about, about it with Lori, and we talked about it with Aaron too, and we both mm-hmm. gave them nose. Yeah, they, they wouldn't <laughs> oh. get that. Um, yeah. When it comes to strategy, her picture should be right there, because that bitch was ready. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna say it now. I was gonna wait, but I say it now. Home Alone. You thought Nancy did it first. You thought she Booby got chats. the home. Okay. You thought, and y'all be like, Kevin McAllister, Kevin McAllister, Nancy Nicole Thompson. This Period. bitch got the whole Dreamwalkers guide to stopping killers. I, this <laughs> bitch was ready. She's into survival. I'm going to say that to my boyfriend the next time he complained about me buying shit. Listen, it's become a lifestyle. Okay. J- just, just you wait, just you wait. Okay, now this last category, I don't know how my girl gonna square up, but it's okay. Let's talk about Nancy's fashions. Now, Nancy is 15, and they dress her like a 15-year-old in this movie, my poor little baby. They had her in the baggiest little clothes. I think her cutest look is in the very beginning when she's wearing Glenn's Letterman jacket while they're walking to school, that's cute. And then later on that night when she has like the little um, vertical striped shirt with the jeans, that's really cute. Oh, 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 no, no, no. I cannot believe I almost let this go past. Guys, I was mind blown on the scene where, I wanna say it's the scene where Nancy confronts her mom after she pulls the hat out of the dream. That's the same damn outfit that Casey Becker has on his screen. And how many times have I watched both of those movies and that has not clicked in my head? Cream sweater, blue jeans, the hair's just different. Damn. I'm gonna go look at it again because it's not it's not clicking. Hold on. Well, you know I'm gonna fuck by stream like this, so I wouldn't have noticed. Wow. You can exit stage left. Why we gotta be so mean? I thought my opinion was valid because it's right. Screaming at the, you know, screaming all that to me. Goodbye. It ain't all that to me at all. But this isn't hate on screen. And I mean, Nancy had some good nightgowns. Her pajamas, her little two sets, her two pieces with the roses. She was so cute in all her little jammies. So I would have gave it to her. She dressed like a 15 year old going to sleep. And that's good. (laughs) And okay, I can say this too. I also like how we never see her naked. 
there are so many times where they do little things where she could be exposed, but they cover her up. Even in the pool scene, because cats out the bag, that's not her under the water. That's somebody else. But even then, you only see the silhouette of her side boob. You never see the front. When she changes her pajamas before she goes to fight Freddy, she literally has no top on. You just see her back. And when she gets out the tub and she takes off her towel, her mom wraps the robe around her super quick. So you never see this girl nude. Eh, I'm not getting Casey out this picture. Which one are you looking at? That doesn't look like Casey Becker's outfit to you. Besides the fact that the sweater is a different pattern, it's literally a cream or beige, whatever, sweater in blue jeans. It's just literally the hair that makes the outfit look different. That don't look like that to you? Maybe it's the fact that Casey's sweater is more like, I don't know, it just seems more tan to me. Maybe it's because of the lighting. Could be. Yeah, like it's like more tan and then Nancy's is white. That's not white. It is cream. Beige. But this is more like a tan. John A, those two pictures look like the same color. No, okay. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to make a graphic. I seen it. I looked at them when I made the discovery. I got the picture. Also, we just did Scream. So I got hella Casey Becker in my phone. Please don't send me another one. I don't want to see it. Um, I'm telling you, this is like, if just looking at it, it's like two different colors. It's weird. The vibe is the same. It is mm. the same. I ain't get look. that vibe. You know what? Just like she tried to argue me with about Nancy being unisex. We here now. Because I'm like, this is the same. It's a unisex name. Look. You know who I would ask? And then I would take their opinion, whether they said no or not, is Cody. But I'm not going to bother Cody right now. But I'm going to ask him. And we're going to get the answer at a later date. Cody awake too, so if you messed my promise, he'd answer in like three seconds. I know that, but we need to move on. So I'm not about to bother Cody with those questions. I'm just gonna ask him later. And then when he hears this, well, actually he's not gonna cut all this out. So yes, but I'm just gonna ask him later. Um, what's the verdict on Nancy's fashions? I liked it because her jammies look comfortable and I would have wore the the rose set. I mean it's cool. For the 80s. I love the 80s. That funeral outfit reminded me of my Nana. I'm sorry. That funeral outfit, I said, but okay, so I also obviously watched the commentary of the movie as well. And they pointed out that, like, obviously everybody has on black and Nancy has this bright blue polka dot dress on. And I guess the conversation, you know, when you like dress characters, you try to dress close to their personality. Um, sometimes you're dressing them to reflect certain themes in a movie, blah, 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 blah. And I guess the conversation was, would this girl actually own an appropriate dress for a funeral? You know, and I can buy that. But I'm like, Jesus, she stood out like, you don't got no black, honey, <laughs> nothing. But it was cute. It was cute. 
survivors if you want to weigh in on the baddest final girl out you can talk to us on our twitter or down in the dms but without further ado we are going to jump right into this movie let's get into 1984's a nightmare on elm street the kids of elm street don't know it yet but something is coming to get them there's something out there isn't there <laughs> We just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the John puking since he saw it. They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy? something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. No! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. As much as I love this movie, I'm very disappointed to say this trailer is not it. I actually didn't hate it. They literally showed everything. What trailer did you watch? They kind of did show everything. They literally showed you every, you seen Tina die, you saw Rod die, you saw Glenn die. Only four people die in this movie. And I think they probably, I think they showed you Marge die. Like they literally showed you everything. Like Hell, they even showed the ending. That was the beginning of the trailer. They started off telling you what the fuck it is, the whole movie. Well, okay, in the context, That's some of the scenes- it. That beginning scene when the car pulls up, you technically don't know that's the end of the movie. But still, it's just like everything, showing all of the big major things is what blows me in the trailer. We talk about this all the time. Like, there's a way that this could have been done. Because later when we go on to discuss the movie, and I'm still going to discuss it with my same feelings, but had I seen the trailer, I can't have those same feelings. You know, we'll get into it, though. The movie starts with the OG New Line Cinema logo. And every time I watch this movie, it throws me off because I forget it starts like that. A hidden man is shown in the boiler room walking towards a work table. When he gets there, he makes his glove and he then puts it on for the first time. The music drops as we get our title card and a scream can be heard as he cuts some fabric testing out his new glove. Tina Gray pops in against a bright white background and she starts running down a hallway. Steam mists the room of the hallway and is covered with water leaking from the pipes along the ceiling. A sheep scares Tina, but she follows it through the hallway, entering into the boiler room. Once she enters, someone watches from afar and when she finally sees them, he chases her. 
When she thinks she's all alone, he jump scares her and wakes her up. As she wakes up screaming, her mother comes to the door to check on her, only to see four razor cuts in her nightdress. Tina looks down at the cuts and examines them with her fingers. Then her mother's boyfriend comes to the door, trying to get her back into the bed. Tina takes her crucifix off the wall and clutches it to her chest and tries to go back to sleep. I absolutely adore this opening scene. So her mother, like, how can you tell her to just stop that kind of dreaming? That don't even make sense. You got to cut those nails. Ma'am, coming from somebody that has naturally long nails. That still don't even make sense. Like Now, I do, like I said earlier, I do have dreams and I wake up with scratches. But in your clothing? And I know, and that's what I was about to say, exactly. Is and, but even with some of those times, I be getting scratches in spots that I couldn't have possibly done myself. But yeah, like that my back, deep. Like my back be all scratched the fuck up. Like I got a scratch on my back and now and I don't even know how I got there. Yeah, no, it's weird shit. But that deep though, in your clothes. Her mother, is it crack? Is it crack that you smoke? Because... It was dick, it was dick. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> He came to the door. She said, I peace out. Sleep told me sleep. But I do. I think the one thing that really intrigues me about this opening scene is the music. I must say that (laughs) so much because through the music for real carries this music and not in a bad way. Like it couldn't do it out. It probably couldn't. But it, it helps every single moment. Like that sense of doom when the title card appears and the music just drops like I could imagine that that sound is enough to make your stomach turn if it's used the right way, you know? The next morning, as three girls jump rope and one holds a ball, a red convertible pulls up to the school. With Glenn Lanch driving, Tina and Nancy hop out in front of the Springwood High School. As they walk down the sidewalk, Tina tells Nancy and Glenn about last night's dream. Nancy then tells Tina, it sounds like a little one, two, Freddy's coming for you, and that she had a bad dream herself. Rod Lane comes up behind them and interrupts telling Tina that he'd woken up with a heart on with her name on it. Tina, very unimpressed, reads him saying, Rod, there are four letters in my name. How could there be room on your joint for four letters? And of course, if you didn't know by now, now you do, Rod delivers my favorite line of his up yours with a twirling lawnmower see now you know where i got it from because i used to say that all the time and johnny would be like what the fuck is that <laughs> like what is no and i that's what i think it was that i said i think i said that to you and that's when you said you've never seen this movie because you had no idea what i was talking about and i said it so confidently that's how much i like that line it's such a good insult like just try it like next time somebody make you mad, just say up yours with a twirling lawnmower. And I swear it's going to make you feel so good. You'll thank me later. Oh my God. I'm telling you. Tina then asks Nancy what she dreamt about. And then Glenn implies that he had a nightmare, but he runs off into the school and ignoring or not hearing Tina asking for confirmation. Trying to psych herself out, Tina comments to Nancy that maybe they're about to have a big earthquake since things are getting so weird. That night at 620 Elm Street, 
Tina, Nancy, and Glenn have a sleepover to make the distraught Tina feel better as she's still troubled by her nightmare and because her mom left her alone for two days. However, as Nancy describes the man in her dreams, Tina realizes that they are talking about the same person. He is described as being horribly burned with large finger knives that scratches over everything. Glenn, from across the room, registers a look of recognition himself as the girls go on. But then, being Mr. Macho, he reassures them that what they're talking about is impossible. So I also like how in this scene, you really don't even notice that Glenn gives them that look, confirming that he's also been having nightmares as well. I noticed that. A lot of men folk always want to act all nonchalant. Like, don't shit be happening. Because don't shit be happening until you did. That's when shit be happening. So is that like silent fuck around and find out? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a closed mouth don't get fed. Basically. But it's like a closed mouth gets dead. Yeah, because I was like, yeah, we got to tweak that a little bit. Basically, that's what that sound like. I also like, this is the scene where Tina's like, I can't believe his mom let him spend the night. Nancy's like, she didn't. He's supposed to be at his aunt's house or his cousin's house. And he plays the cassette. That was funny. Because <laughs> I guess the funny part to me was them trying to cut it off. Because I'm like, y'all don't know how to work this? Shouldn't y'all know how to work this? But well, also, but like y'all were sabotaging, so go away. But uh, but well, no, are they really sabotaging? The real sabotager is whoever made the disc. Because why did you put all them extra sounds on there? I just asked you for airplane noises. <laughs> <laughs> you got all this other stuff going on. We need to know who made that tape because they're the problem. That's why you only ask specific friends for specific things. You don't go to your friend that give you DVDs, or in that case, the VHSs. Cassette tapes. <laughs> I, no, I was trying to think of something that wasn't that, but you don't go to the friend that gives you cassette tapes and expect anything else. So if you went to your friend that gave you the fucking Walkman tapes, and really you needed this, you fucked. Now look it. The three teenagers hear scratching noises in the backyard, and they go outside to investigate with Glenn leading. After a few yards away from the back door, Tina's rebellious boyfriend, Rod, crashes the party and scares them all. This part when they're, first of all, of course, you get the little cliche, we hear a noise, we got to go check it out. So they go check it out. But I love that Nancy and Tina, like, push Glenn to the front. They're like, yeah, yo, you got it. <laughs> go for it. But also, I love the part where... Um, Rob was like, did you see his face? And then Glenn was like, did you see his face? <laughs> I wouldn't have, no, it wouldn't have been me. Because whenever I hear fucking noises, I just sit there and look. Yeah, but they're not Black either. I want to see a Black nightmare on Elm Street because I just really want to know how will we react to some of these situations. Because we would have been got them to give us the drugs. First of all, we would have got them to give us the drugs that fuck with our dreams so we wouldn't have none. And if they wouldn't give it to us, we go to the damn pill man. That's all we would do. We would be find a way to get that goddamn medicine. We wouldn't have this problem. Like, oh, I can't dream. I right, bet. I just, I just want to know what the parents would be like. Like be if I'm asses. coming to them, telling them that there is some man in my dreams. Is my boomer mom going to believe me? Hell no. She gonna call you fast and beat your ass. So you know what? <laughs> <laughs> to let it go. 
we solving this on our own. Oh, hell no. The three teenagers hear noises in the backyard of the house and they go outside to investigate with Glenn leading the two girls. After a short conversation, Rod invites himself to the party and takes Tina upstairs to do the nasty in her mother's bedroom while Nancy and Glenn stay downstairs to talk for a while before she goes in Tina's room and he sleeps on the couch. After Rod and Tina have incredibly loud doing the nasty sessions, Rod reveals to Tina that he too had a recent nightmare and although he does not want to discuss what happened. Ashley, listen, you, you know how you just said what would happen if it was niggas, if it was yeah. black people. Right now, it couldn't have been black people. We had to rewrite this. We not fucking in our mama bed. I know some mama. trifling people. That's trifling. That's some dirty shit. I know some people that will do it. I know some people. Like, damn. And then they were fucking loud. Like, loud. Like, fuck, fuck your friends. No, we not even... No decorum. We finna fuck, I right? And we finna fuck. <laughs> I, I guess he thought, look, I guess he thought Glenn and Nancy was going to do the same thing he told him. He was like, we got the mom's bed. The rest is yours. How do I went home? Because why am I here listening to this shit? No time for seven minutes in heaven. I can walk to my house. Like she said, they were there for Tina, not themselves. Well, still would have went the fuck home. Because no, she got that nigga. Not really, but. I do like what Craven said that this happened to him in real life. Like the first time he lived on his own and he stayed with these people and he said they were so loud and he had to just sit there and listen to it all because he had nowhere else to go. He said it was terrible. (laughs) Also, I like the line from Nancy when Glenn is like, because I feel like Glenn has that moment, John Nay, of, okay, well, since we ain't finna do nothing, then why we got to be here? Glenn is basically questioning why is Tina scared of whoever it is that's in their dreams. And Nancy's like, he was scary. That's why. (laughs) Well, bitch, how you know? Well, Nancy says that she had the dream. So we know Nancy had the dream. It's Glenn that's acting like he ain't seen this person and he don't know that this is real. Gaslighting people. As all of that stuff is happening, a crucifix falls off the wall where Nancy is sleeping. She puts the cross on the bedpost and goes back to sleep. Once she does, a figure morphs out of the wall, hovering right over Nancy. But seeing the crucifix retreats back into the wall before she awakes. That is one of the best effects in the damn movie. Let's just talk about it. That spandex and somebody just laying on it. And that's it interesting with spandex with spandex (laughs) later tina apparently wakes up and hears rocks being thrown at the window she goes outside into the alley and investigates this time the burned killer reveals himself tina says please god as freddie replies this is god and chases her down the alleyway to the house The killer catches up to her and scares her by cutting off two of his own fingers. Then when he finally gets a hold of her, they wrestle around as she tries to grab and scratch at his face, but instead she peels his face off revealing a tiny skeleton that begins laughing at her as she screams. Just one point out. This is where I am a god came from. I can dig it. I can see it. I'm not saying this is official. This is Brittany's interpretation. 
but I am a god. So you're Freddie's glove? Yeah, works for me. Except mine is... No, fuck it, that's me. Yeah, I'm cool with it. I do like this intro that we get because the first time we see him, we only see that shadow and that shadow is like really huge. I just want to know, why would you just go towards the sound? Like... The bitch did it earlier. It's so annoying. Why would you go towards the sound? It'd be... Listen, y'all. We do dumb shit sometimes. But you know how I say I mean, dumb to be shit fair, sometimes? There's was all the time. To be fair, she's she's not a lucid dreamer, as we can see. So, you know. But also, why you run like that? This shit was funny. When he was running, it was so goddamn funny. <laughs> so when his arms are spread out before they go back to normal size, it's supposed to be like she can't run around him. No, so, not- no, I know what you mean, but I'm saying like then once he goes, I don't know if <laughs> the illusion was supposed to keep up, but he just keeps his exactly. arms out. And but then his like his legs, like you, yes, his yes, <laughs> he the boogeyman. It was like a tiptoe, like I think I had the fucking creep run down the fuck packed. Okay, like, he- oh my gosh, are you gonna stand there? Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Okay, I'm sorry. now now don't do that because my daddy used to call me that when I was learning how to walk because this head was very heavy. Oh, damn. Chill out, please. Yes, thank you. That's a trigger. Chill out. Um, <laughs> if it um, makes you feel any better, I had a big ass head because I I ran into a side of a damn fireplace. And um, well, my head mine open. was like this since birth, so no, that does not make me feel better. I mean, I'm saying I was a kid when I did it. I couldn't control my head. I was a fetus. Listen, I'm glad that Caleb grew into his head because when he was a baby, Lord, thank head. Damn. All right. Damn. All right. One TikTok transition later, Tina is in her bed as Tina is in her bed as Freddie begins to brutally murder her. Here's the thing. Rob wakes up to find Tina being cut open by an invisible person. This thing is dragging her up the walls across the ceiling until she finally falls dead and bloodied on the bed. Rod, being the only other person in the room at the time, screams at the murderer. Nancy and Glenn are on the outside, banging on the door to get in, only hearing the commotion. And once they enter the room, they see Tina's dead body, the bloody room, and the window open, and Rod gone. Y'all, look, I gotta go ahead and say it. I'm not even. I'm not even sorry. She must have had some good ass pussy, because this nigga didn't wake up until the. It was way too late. He would knock the fuck out talking about, um, well, neither one of us going to dream now. Like, goddamn, no wonder she was hollering. Okay, I'm not going to hold you, but men, why do y'all sleep so hard? Oh, no, not all men. Not all men, because... I'm talking about in general. It depends. So, Brandon, he told me that, like, when he's not with me, he's a very light sleeper. But when he's with me, he sleeps very hard because he his guard is down and he trusts me. And that don't do me no favors. Oh, that's so nice. Well, that means that Jose don't trust me and his guard not down. Cause that nigga, that nigga wake up if I move the wrong fucking way. I'm just saying, if you sleeping hard like that and I'm in peril, no. 
well, let me go ahead and tell y'all, um, please don't let shit happen while I'm asleep. Please wake me up because I'm, I'm just okay. okay so here's I, my thing. Rod just literally stood there in the corner and just reached his arms out like he didn't try to get on the bed, didn't try to like pull her down off the ceiling. Like, yeah, he was he was a, a very um, bad boyfriend in that aspect. He didn't do shit. We have a theme dealing with hotels. I will tell a story about that, but that is the only time. I'm a light sleeper is when I'm in a hotel. That's it. I'll be knocked out. <laughs> right. And so we were in a hotel, but you know, I don't drink. So the other motherfuckers I was with were drinking. They had convinced me to drink. And so I went back to the hotel room because I was fucked up. And so they came to my hotel room and started banging on the door, pretending to be MPs, telling me I was going to get in trouble, this, that, and the third, blah, 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 trying to get me to open the door. And so now... I've been so traumatized by that. I don't sleep hard in hotel rooms. Like if I'm in a hotel room, I will be like, I can hear a fucking pin drop or a knock on wood. I am fucking awake. So I can't sleep and let my guard down when I'm in hotel rooms. I can when I'm at home or in somebody else's house. Um, that, that's probably also why I don't fuck with Airbnbs, but even I've never been in one. But when I'm at home or in somebody else's house, I trust I'm knocked the fuck out. But if I'm in a hotel room, I trust nothing about it. Not one goddamn thing. You throw a duvet on me, it's over. <laughs> she said you throw a duvet on me, it's over. <laughs> One last thing about um this iconic death. The paint for blood was annoying, I know. The who? The paint for blood. No, it uh. wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John A literally has an issue with blood. Like it do not be bothering me. Like it, like I don't know what the problem. I don't, I don't like know it what when you want it to look red. like. When it's red like that, well, you need bothering. to blame the MPAA because that's why they have it that color. Because when it's too dark, they get mad at them and tell them they have to cut it. So you write a letter to the MPA and tell them to cut it out even though they've cut it out in recent years because we have some bloody 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 movies but then you we talked about this in screen episode you know how they was on the s and even it pisses me off because there was a shot of her like hitting the bed and the mpaa was like that's too much that's too realistic um i'm gonna be floating and hitting the goddamn bed how is that realistic if my ass is upside down being knocked into a fucking bed. First please. of all, did you see when Freddie smacked Rod with Tina's body? Yeah. <laughs> she was so funny. He smacked him. He smacked him with her head. He said, boop. <laughs> <clears throat> but what I was going to mention was that this was filmed using a rotating room. So everything, in you know how now we go into those museums where like the perspectives are different, stuff be upside down, big to small, all that shit. So this room rotated real time. The director's chair was like nailed down. It's really cool. Of course, you can see this all in the documentary. And even Rod's hair, they had to slick it down. So because he was upside down where he was and Tina wasn't. So Tina's like we are right now. Rod is literally upside down in like the corner attached to the floor and they had to slick his hair down so his hair didn't like stick up and you can't tell but it also explains why he's just in the corner and not moving around but i love it 
Yeah, because he was worthless. The scene then moves on to the Springwood 5th Precinct Police Station. Lieutenant Donald Thompson discusses the crime with the subordinate before revealing that he is Nancy's father. Speaking to Nancy and her mother, Marge, he's very angry that Nancy was sleeping in the same house as Rod and some other teenagers who he's referring to as a psychopath at the moment. Nancy insists that Rod and Tina's arguments weren't that serious, and Marge implies that maybe she didn't think it was that serious. But this is where Nancy gets very, very dramatic. How can you say I didn't take her death seriously? But, you know, she had to pull it back a little bit. She was just saying that the fights weren't that serious. I didn't think it was going to turn up like this. So, you know. You can tell that Marge and Donald, they do not mess with each other. Like this, no. I'm not even trying to be in the same room. The next morning after the news station Marge is watching is trying to trigger the FCC, she stops a sleepless Nancy from heading off to school. Nancy continues on walking and seeing a man very openly watching her. When she looks again a second later, he's gone. And then another second later, she's grabbed by Rod and dragged into the bushes. Rod tries to explain what he saw and that it wasn't him that killed Tina. Although somewhat receptive to Rod's claims, Rod gets angry at Nancy and stupidly threatens her. Lieutenant Thompson appears out of the bushes and pulls a gun on Rod, forcing him to run into the street where he is arrested by other policemen. Nancy angrily yells at her father for using her to capture Rod and leaves for school. It's the way she got Secret Service just staked out watching her. Because I remember I used to be so confused when I was younger watching this. I never knew who that man was supposed to be. Yeah, I was confused. I didn't know who that was. Somebody's watching me. And so basically her dad just has people watching her. But he was using her the whole time to try to see. He figured that Rod would like try to contact her. So if I got people watching her, then that'll make that easier. Um, Can we talk about the TV station? <laughs> why are you showing a dead body on your tv screen sir what is this who said that this was okay it's news ain't no rules back then like that's a bloody body in a body bag with the arm flying so, out normally you do kind of see the body bags that come out but like normally the body bags are black so no. someone's probably gonna get fired from that Listen, okay, and then also the way that they was handling the body, they wasn't even holding it right. She dang near was about to fall off the gurney. In class, Nancy notices Tina's corpse in a body bag standing outside of the classroom. She looks back and sees nothing but a puddle of black blood. Leaving the class, she finds the body bag being dragged down into, hold on, hold on. Okay. <clears throat> in class, a student read. In class, a student reads a passage, and as he does, Nancy starts to drift off. As she does, she notices Tina's corpse in a body bag standing outside of the classroom. When she looks back, she sees nothing but a puddle of black blood. Leaving the class, she sp- leaving class, she finds the body bag being dragged down the hall on its own and leaving a trail of blood. Turning the corner, Nancy knocks over a girl wearing a green and red striped sweater who demands Nancy to show her hall pass. 
after saying, screw your past, and running down the hall, the girl calls out for Nancy and Freddy Krueger's voice. Looking back, Nancy sees her wearing the finger knives and instructing her not to run in the hallway. Nancy continues to follow the trail down the stairway into Springwood High School's basement. This is where we get our Lynn Shay. She looks, okay, she doesn't like look different. She just, her hair is just a lot fuller, that's all. In this scene in particular, when she's in the classroom, you hear the guy talking and then all of a sudden his speech just slows down. And then the next thing, if you look around the room, all of the students are just still, like no one's moving but Nancy. And it's not like, when they go into the dream, they like, you know how cartoons, when people memorize something, and sometimes we do it in our sound effects here, where we do that little dream cloud noise and everything goes wavy and you know you're in a dream. They don't do that in this movie. Like Nancy literally like nods twice and everything looks fucking normal and she's just in the dream world. That was a seamless transition. I, mean, I just, absolutely love it. Go it's ahead. just like going to sleep. I mean, no, of course, it it's just like right. going to sleep. But when you're going to sleep and you're doing something, you don't actually notice when the fuck you pass out. Right. It's just like one minute you're here and the next minute um, it's tomorrow. You on the couch and the sun coming up and the sun's coming up and you're confused. Like, when the fuck did I go to sleep? And that's exactly what happened to her. Side note, um, I really blame whoever lost funding at the mortuary with the clear plastic bag because that just gave him some fire-ass ammunition because that bitch just sitting there looking i'm like god damn and it looks so terrifying like the way she's like running her hand across the body bag when i'm assuming because who else would it be when freddie drags her in the hallway i just oh my goodness because one thing about it is I always anytime we do a movie that has a school in it I always talk about how I love the way older schools look my high school looks similar to this one and when you see that scene everything about the coloring from the blood from the green in the school and I don't even know if that was intentional because it's red and green but everything about that shot in that scene is just perfect it's the perfect mix of eerie and the perfect mix of like beautiful art. I don't know how to describe it. She goes into the boiler room where she is watched and then attacked by the killer who finally reveals his first name as Freddie. Realizing that she is dreaming, Nancy burns her arm on one of the boiler pipes to wake herself up. This results in her screaming in the classroom and alerting the teacher and the rest of the class. Embarrassed and rightfully scared, Nancy elects to leave class and just go home. Fuck the teacher. Why'd you guys smoke towards the teacher for? Cause it, it just didn't make no sense to me at all. Like this bitch is having a whole fucking episode and you worried about a hall pass? Her burn that she caused in the dream actually appears in real life. Um, First of all, two things, and y'all know I love this movie to death, but one thing that does make me mad is she burns her arm on the outside but then when she goes outside and looks at her arm, the burn mark is on the inside. So that annoys me a little bit because I'm like, how do we not catch this? But also, I don't know. Actually, I take that back because the way she burned her arm, the way skin worked, that could be on the inside. Actually, nope, I'm lying. I take that all back. It's fine. Skin moves. 
anyway no because look at how I do my arm so if I'm like that and I'm trying to push away from something I burn but then you see and that's what I'm saying so when she burned her arm she did like this so the burn would be right here yeah that's what I was saying at first I thought that she just lifted her arm up and burned it on the outside. But if she turned no, her hand, she was, it was that would like be a, on the inside. It's kind of like a this. Right. When Nancy says, who are you? And Freddie just lifts up his shirt and shows a nipple and slices it. That's not what she asked you. <laughs> not at all. It's disgusting. I don't think that's the appropriate answer, sir. I'm going to need I'm you just... to try this again. <laughs> And once again, this is the part of the music that I was talking about. I like to run on the treadmill too, because it's just very amped up. It's intense. He has gotten her in this corner. She can't get out. Like what's going on? And she does the quickest thing she can think of. Instead of just cowering in the corner, she's like, fuck it. I just got to do something. And that's how she wakes herself up. But I also love the moment when she wakes up. One thing I got to say about Heather Langenkamp, that girl can scream. All the screams in this movie from her were her. And I feel like we don't talk about it because that girl can scream and we just do not talk about this. But you know what? That's what I'm here for. These nightmares cause her to talk to Rod in jail, who finishes telling her what he saw in Tina's mother's bedroom. He tells Nancy that he never saw anyone. And when he first saw Tina being murdered, he assumed that she was just having another nightmare. When Rod mentions that it was all four slashes in Tina's chest happening at once, Nancy finally believes Rod is innocent and leaves. This little exchange between Rod and um, Nancy in real life, Heather Langenkamp says that she thought Nick Corey did like a really, really good job with this. Not to put his business out, but he put his business out so I could put his business out. This nigga was on that Euphoria special and was doing it, it in like between it. takes. He looked like it. His eyes were very huge. Hey, I just, I just thought that was his sometimes. features. Because he, because even today, we, oh, I can't say today because that, the legacy documentary, I can't remember what year that came out, but he looks like that neck too. And he's been clean for 25 years. But it also is a difference between you just having big eyes and bugged eyes. So I get it. Later at home, Nancy is taking a bath. Her mother warns her not to fall asleep and offers to make Nancy some warm milk. As Nancy drifts off into the tub, a razor. I don't know why I want to say it like that. Hmm. As Nancy drifts off in the tub, Freddie's glove appears out of the water twice before eventually pulling her under the water. Nancy screams for help and her mother eventually breaks down the bathroom door at the same time that Nancy is finally able to wake up and get out of the tub. Once again, iconic scene. If you don't know nothing about this movie, you know that scene. Yeah, that's one of the scenes that I saw. How? I don't know. You got to. But you know what? Nancy got a little smart ass mouth. Because if it wasn't for her, mom should have been fucking dead. Just one point that I milk. But no, have you ever had that's nasty? I have. It's nasty. I used to have a um a thing where I couldn't go to sleep. And so my nana, she used to tell me, just rip a little bit of milk so you go to sleep. And then like I had this whole phase 
where every night before I go to bed, I will warm up some milk so I can go to sleep. I like warm milk. Well, I liked it. I don't drink it anymore. But when I was younger, I used to drink it. But I also used to be a cocoa fiend. So it makes sense. I'm with Nancy on this one. It's a no. It's, it's a no. I mean, all you're doing when you're drinking hot cocoa is warm milk with some powder. Unless you're one of those weirdos who uses water. I judge you if you use water. It's just not a safe space, but if you use water, unless you are lactose intolerant, that's about it. I'm lactose intolerant, so I use lactate milk, but still. See, or um, what is it? I, wait, can you have milk if you're vegan? No. I mean, there's oat milk, there's almond there's milk, milk but have. I don't know if those are... Actually, you, you can heat oat milk because I've had oat milk lattes. Those are very good. So look, you, there's still a way that you can have some form of milk. But if you're using pure water, listen, this means something coming from me. You are a serial killer. So the way this one was shot is pretty interesting. This tub had a flop. This tub had a false floor. So Nancy's kind of like sitting like kind of on a ledge. And that way, Jim Doyle is not even Robert England. Jim Doyle, one of the special effect guys, he would use a little cue that way he would come up out the water and go back and then pull her under. But when he pulled her under, what we see, like I said earlier, it isn't Nancy, it's just a stunt girl. And when they did that scene, they basically blacked out someone's pool, put a tarp over the top, cut a hole out. The entire filming crew is under the water. <laughs> Wes Craven is under this water as they're shooting this entire little scene. That's actually kind of scary. They said it was like a wild ass experience. And when you look at it, that it does look endless. Like that little hole, it looks like it's getting smaller and smaller and like she just can't find her way out. <sighs> Absolutely adore it. That night, Glenn climbs into Nancy's bedroom and Nancy reveals her thoughts about Tina's murder. She then asks Glenn to watch over her while she sleeps. Nancy goes to sleep and in her dream, she leaves the house and asks Glenn if he's still watching. What appears to be Glenn answers yes, but you know, this kind of makes us wonder, is that Glenn? Is it not Glenn? Because if he's here with her, that means that he's had to have fallen asleep too. This isn't the first time, but we start to get little shots of the Elm Street house, which has become very iconic. It's probably the most iconic house in horror history, and I stand on that hill. Um, I never noticed until my last few watches that Johnny Depp is just chilling outside on the trellis like that. Like, I always just thought, like, she went over to the window and he just popped up. But he's been sitting out there, like, just right there, like, waiting to like pop in the window and don't be doing that. That's scary. There's some white people shit. Me and Brandon actually talked about that. Cause it's like, what, like as a parent, even though we don't have kids, you, why would you put your girl's room in a position for niggas to climb through the window? I mean, they probably weren't thinking about that then. They probably weren't thinking that was gonna happen. Like, you know what? That's a good question. Exactly. Times, it's normally that when they have multiple kids, I know that she's the only child, but they have when they have multiple kids, it's always the woman's room or the girl's room or however you want to phrase that age range that they be in. Well, they're always kids, but they're women. They're played by older women. But anyways, um, that has something they can climb up on. 
exactly always and it's not just in film it's in like real life like why why would you do that you maybe they don't think about that then maybe it's just they think it's a very pretty room and they let them pick it or maybe it's because the, when they're little they want that room because of the flowers and then when they get older they realize they don't help themselves out it's just it's just the reoccurring theme like I just these these parenting skills why would you put your your daughters in an easy predicament I mean think about child's play too Kyle couldn't get in her room so she had to sneak into Andy's room so there's one <laughs> that's one but <laughs> Kyle wasn't the main protagonist oh technically <laughs> technically she might not be a main main andy but she becomes our she in there um miss miss nancy if you ever again look in the mirror and say god i look 20 years old trick excuse me <laughs> which is funny because she was about 18 or 19 doing this movie but still, when I first seen it, when I was a little bit younger, that line like was just like, oh, man. But now that I'm older than 20, it's just like, can you chill? Because I mean, we don't really have to worry like that. They age like cheese. Well, not too much on Miss Camp because she looks very good. So not too much on her. But <laughs> again, the transition into the dream when Nancy tells um glenn that they're about to do this whole plan and all she does is cut off the all she does is cut off the light and glenn is like oh it's dark in here and nancy's like no that's not happening and then the screen just fades to black and we just open up to the front of the house and that's all we have to know to know that we're in the dream these transitions that they're doing are just so I don't know how to describe them. They're just very subtle. They're not too much, but they just. She walks to the Springwood 5th Precinct Police Station where she looks in a window and sees Freddie go into Rod's cell. She then hears Tina's voice calling her from the body bag. And this time when she turns around and sees her, Tina's corpse is surrounded by eels as a big ass, whatever the fuck a peed, slips out of her mouth. Again, TikTok transitions, Freddie walking through the jail cell. I'm just like, oh, you don't believe in no keys, I guess, no locks. Well, it's a dream. You can do anything. That is true. Dreams have no limitations. Something I want to point out is if there's one thing about the man in the red and green dirty ass sweater, he going to traumatize the fuck out of you, Okay. This bitch has been put through hell. And I'm like, damn. You poor, poor thing. Bless her heart. It's this whole scene where she's going through it and she sees her friend and she's again in the fucking body bag. And then she again, well, not again, but now she's spitting out fucking lizards, eels, whatever. Some slimy ass substance covered in fucking eels. And then what happens in the next scene, it's like, goddamn. He just traumatizes the fuck out of you repeatedly. When did she spit shit out her mouth? When, when she was at the was... police station. Yeah. And she spit the whatever fuck a peed out of her mouth. The whole, oh, it was a centipede. The whole centipede, millipede, whatever peed came out of her mouth. And then the eels was at her feet. That looked like your slit could have been intestines. 
Yeah, honestly. Janae has a look of confusion, so. Because I'm trying to remember, and it's just, it's not clicking. Because I remember being at the jail. I just don't remember something coming out of her mouth. I don't think I don't think I made that up. No, that no, that happens. I just read it. <laughs> and I was questioning myself. I was like, damn. Because mm-hmm. it, 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 it slid out. Like it was literally a one-two punch. So it slid out first, and then you seen the the eel intestine guts at the bottom. So yeah, so this whatever the fuck a pee got loose on set, and apparently it was very poisonous. So um, because of that, the cast refused to go back into the studio until they caught it, and it took them a little second, but they ended up catching it, um, which rightfully so because I didn't. I kind of breezed past this in the beginning for the sake of the episode, but these niggas was working for free, low key. So <laughs> I don't blame them for not wanting to work for a poisonous bug being in the studio because they weren't getting paid anyway. So you know, I'm not mad at it. Nancy calls Glenn needing to know if he's there, but mm -mm. Nancy runs off and calls out to Glenn needing to know if he's there, but Freddie instead answers, I'm here, and appears and chases Nancy. Nancy throws a trash can in his way to block him and runs back to her house as Freddie continues chasing her. So I do have to say, we talk about this in our Friday the 13th episode, Um, the director, Sean S. Cunningham, and Wes Craven, they kind of have a little bestie relationship. So Sean was actually working on this movie with Wes. And he actually, the scene of Nancy throwing the trash can at Freddie, he actually shot that. And that's the only scene in the movie that he shot. But I do absolutely love the way, and this happens earlier in the movie with Tina. But I love the dramatics in the way that Nancy runs back to her house because if you ever ran in your dreams you know damn well you can't run for nothing like it's I don't care if you're Shikari you not you not Shikari in the dream it's not happening it's not going down you end up running at a fucking angle when you really trying to get away with something it's like something's yanking your ass back like it's just never like you know for a fact that you can be going somewhere but it just literally feels like the way Nancy was running was accurate. Like that was literally how I feel like I ran when I'm in the dream. You know, I wonder, is that tied to how your feet move when you're in the bed because it's undercover so you can't make full steps? Because, you know, you, when you're dreaming, you sometimes act it out physically. But I mean, not all the time am I under a cover though. Not just that, it's just how your feet are moving. Like you ain't trying to use your full range of motion because you sleep. So that's why you have these fucked up short steps is because your legs aren't opening all the way. Like your mind's connected them. Your subconscious is connecting them even though you're not actively connecting the two things. That could be a thing. I can see it. Nancy goes inside of her house and closes the front door. As she tries to run up the stairs, the carpet turns into goop. Freddie breaks the window on the front door, but it's Tina voice calling out to Nancy. Nancy, help me. Please save me from, and the voice morse and says, Freddie. Whole time, it's Freddie at the front door wearing Tina's face over his face. He pulls it off mm -mm, over his face. Nancy gets away and runs into her room where Glenn is still sleeping. So by the way, those are not oatmeal stairs. Those are pancake batter stairs. 
thick pancake batter that was an absolute hot mess to clean but nonetheless once again practical effects um also i like to call out petty freddy my patrons you already know how we have gotten into petty freddy um why did you feel the need to torture this girl like this We've already talked about this body bag using her friend, but now you're literally going to rip her friend's face off and use it. But also, I don't know if you're shading Leatherface because I'm with that. I'm for that if, you, if you're trying to, because that was actually kind of cute. Um, don't know if I'm giving you more credit than I should be, but I'm with it. Nancy runs into her room and discovers that Glenn is still asleep. Convinced that this can't be real and it is a dream, Freddie bursts through her mirror and attacks her. He's able to pin her down by the neck and slowly lifts her up to kill her, but she fights back and holds his arms. She finally pushes him off and defends herself with the pillow, but of course, but of course, he slashes that and sends feathers flying everywhere, obviously making it very hard to see shit. Freddie uses this to tackle Nancy and is about to swipe her as her alarm sounds off, and finally she wakes up. That was me doing the, the everything going everywhere. Like I've been using I was trying to figure out like what were you doing? I've like, been using it for special effects, like the time when Ashley was talking about the motherfucker disappear and then reappear. I went like this. <laughs> like I've been over here reenacting the scenes. I appreciate that for this audio platform. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry, Ashley. I'm very, very sorry. This is the very first time that a breakaway mirror has been used in the movie at all. Once again, we love trend setting. We love legends. This entire fight scene, we can stop Final Girl Summer right here, actually, because this girl is actively stopping this man from slashing her throat wide open. And she's 15. And I've seen other final girls, I'm not gonna name no names, that wouldn't even bust a grape in a Welcher's backyard. But yet they're getting a lot of clout. I don't understand. Like who? I said I wasn't saying no names. They know who they are. And their fans know who they are too. So you can at me on our Twitter, E180 Podcast. I'm just saying, it's a few of y'all that fall into that genre, and it's not a bad bitch genre, but... Mm. She said you a basic bitch genre. It's the bootleg genre for me. Oh my god, not bootlegs! It, no! Mm, mm, mm. It's giving paper. Oh, Nigga, you just made me cut my whole cough off to get um, to unlike. Well... <laughs> not everybody everybody cannot be nancy and sydney and that just is what it is those craven made girls everybody can't be them and it's evident now we've had some that are okay and they're badasses and they're lovely and they're fine but none of you will ever be nancy nicole or sydney marie you just won't i mean nancy kept changing up Sydney Marie kept doing the same shit over and over again. We digress. Um, it, it just worked for her. You're not going to do the longest surviving final girl that way, okay? Who, me? I don't care about this. Ain't enough blood in the body. Apparently, like I said, white insurance, it helps, okay? 
Nancy cusses Glenn out. Glenn, you bastard. Before she can really dig into him, they hear her mom coming down the hallway and Glenn dips out. After convincing her mother that she's going back to bed, Nancy sees a feather confirming that that dream she had was not a fucking game. Glenn and Nancy go to the police station to see Rod, where Officer Garcia isn't trying to hear that noise, so he ain't trying to let them see it. So during all of this, Rod is killed in his sleep by a sheep forming a noose around his neck and hanging him from the top of the cell ceiling. That sucks. Just want to point out, Nancy was before her time because she said niggas ain't shit. She really did. She said... All I asked you to do was wake me if it looked like I was having a bad dream. Like, you couldn't follow again, instructions. Rod, no help. Glenn, no help. What is up? Like, what is really going on? I, I got some pointers. One of them is this motherfucker said he's sleeping like a baby. No, sir. He's sleeping like the dead. He you slept during there. that entire, and I understand that this was her dream. And it's so crazy because I remember the first time that I realized that he was sitting in that chair that entire time she was getting attacked by him. And that's so crazy. Like this entire time you see your boyfriend sitting in the room and you are getting thrashed and he's just sitting there unaware, like not even phased until the very last second when I probably could have been mincemeat. At least other man, other man, he, they did the nasty. And it, that's good ass reason to why you don't slept through this whole thing until the very fucking end. But him, no, you couldn't have been that fucking tired. She had to have been making a lot of noise. It's fucking feathers everywhere. Cause I saw him like, that's, I feel like that's why Marge came down the hallway. Like besides the alarm going off, I feel like her screaming also had to kind of like, send her down the hallway even though there was a little time between nancy waking up and the alarm going off and marge actually coming down the hall yeah mm-hmm. marge had to get up out her sleep to come down there to see what the fuck wrong but you know something was because she was her hair was on the swivel every time her fucking child screamed every time she was coming so i i know she was making noise and the fact that this woman had time to get up put on her night clothes because she probably sleep in the nude or some shit and come oh no, she strike me. What she had on, I feel like she was sleeping that. She's that pink set was everything to me. <laughs> that pink set was so cute. The hair was a little questionable. I don't know. She was in there playing with her rose, and she got a little carried away. And Nancy kind of threw it off, and she started screaming. So you know, she couldn't pull it together real quick. But a look, she clearly strikes me as a to leave it on the side of the bed like you want to go to sleep glamorous but wake up comfortable <laughs> rod's death was actually filmed backwards so they actually started with the sheet wrapped around his neck and pulled it and then just played it in reverse for the movie that makes sense it really does A graveside service is held for Rod at Evergreen Cemetery. After Rod's funeral, Nancy tells her parents that Rod was not the killer and she, in fact, knows who did it. She describes the killer as a horribly burned man who wears a dirty hat. Mm -mm. 
She describes the killer as a horribly burned man who wears a dirty red and green sweater and a weird hat with razors on his fingers. The color drains out of both of their faces, indicating that they know exactly what the fuck she's talking about. But of course, they gaslight her. They try to play it off. Donald is like, go get that girl some sleep. And Ronnie is like, I'm going to do something better. I'm going to get her some help. Also, this is the only scene where we see Rod's parents. I do have to say one thing about that since I'm bringing this up. Not all the parents, but unlike most horror movies, we actually see their parents. Like this isn't one of those movies where the parents are just completely non-existent. However, the parents in this movie didn't do them any type of service at all. They said, fuck them kids and they they own. Listen, okay, unintentionally fuck those kids. <laughs> it was so funny to me when she was describing um Freddie and her damn daddy politely pushed that ass in the car. Like, uh, he no, it was Marge's hard. face. He was Marge, like, All right, just- Marge's face throughout the entire thing. So during the commentary, and I say this all the time, I really think people read Wes Craven wrong. He makes jokes, but because of the way he kind of deadpan says things, a lot of people take it as shade and it's not shade. So <laughs> this happens later in the movie, but he makes this comment saying that Ronnie was making her own movie <laughs> while she was filming this. And she really was. I mean, this was somebody who has a background in soap operas. So when you know that and you watch her in this movie, everything makes so much more sense. Because when Nancy is talking to her, she's just like... like it's that lady she is something else but I was with it because what was going on also I just have to point out because I hadn't been pointing it out if I asked y'all where did y'all think this movie takes place and I said it earlier but I'm pretty sure y'all ain't even hear me say that um where would you think this movie was filmed or where would you think this movie was supposed to take place? Put it that way. California. Maine. This is Ohio. Oh. And there are palm trees everywhere. <laughs> there are literally palm trees everywhere. And like, I know in Halloween, we talked about it. There are palm trees in that one too. But this movie, it's a, it's a repeat offender. And sometimes the palm trees are like huge in the scene it's not like they far in the back and you see it if you squint a little bit they are right there I'm like what part of Ohio is this because maybe I should go Nancy's mother takes her to the Katja Institute for the study of sleep disorders to help her with her sleep issues Marge asks the doctor what are dreams and he even admits that they really haven't even learned A short time later, Nancy has a horrendous nightmare. This time, a white streak appears in her hair. Her arm is badly cut, and she finds out that she's actually brought something out of her dream. Freddie's battered hat. By the looks of Marge's face, she definitely knows something. I I got a valid question. How many days did it take for these people to die? For these kids to start dying. Um, it wasn't like a set number and you die. It was just kind of like you fuck around and found out in one night I might feel like it. No, so my point with that is 
they got some good ass insurance because this shit wasn't happening over weeks. It's had to be only a couple days or some shit because um we only seen one funeral, maybe a week at most. How the fuck you get your child in for a sleep cycle? Uh, not a sleep, a sleep study. You know how long it takes? You'll get that shit the next week. You don't call like and be said, like, I need to come in. Well, like you said, they probably got good insurance and her daddy the lieutenant. So that probably was not hard for her to do. Because <laughs> that was a motherfucker. Like, literally, in the whole car, I, I'll do one better. I'm going to get her some help. We going to do a whole fucking sleep study? Damn, bitch. She, she just started sleeping fucked up. This isn't a pattern yet. They got the money for it. They going to do it, I guess. <laughs> Wes Craven actually directed Heather on how to twitch her eyes so it actually looked like she was in that room stage of sleep. Once again, love it. Because who would, so I feel like a regular person would just be like, lay down. I don't know. I don't feel like they would be that much detailed as he is. But also, Miss Marge, I know you stressed, honey. But in the Sleep Institute, you just go light up like this? Okay. Yeah, because yeah. back then, smoking was allowed everywhere. I mean, I know that, but I'm just saying, like, she her daddy was smoking in the police station. That's the police station. That's I feel like that's just that's damn near the equivalent to the um barbershop, even though I'm not trying to be like women aren't in there. But that, yes, that's fine. I expect them to be smoking in there. But in the sleep institute, ma'am, I know you can, but it's also like just have some decorum. Like, could you just wait for a second? Eight nine. Niggas smoked everywhere. It was a thing. Yeah, that was a decorum. What the fuck was y'all? So I have one small thing. Medical professionals will always get you fucked up in horror every fucking time. Whenever you see somebody who's supposed to be doing their job in some type of hospitally situation, you can guarantee you finna get fucked up because he was reading the numbers talking about, oh, this is normal. Next thing you know, oh, it's never done this before. This can't be right. This shit's off the chart. And he's sitting there flabbergasted about the fact that the numbers is raising instead of going to wake this bitch up. It, I guess for me, soon as you see her convulsing, that's when we just need to say fuck everything and go get her. And I guess it bothers me so much about this scene is because we have no idea what happened in that nightmare. But whatever the fuck it was, it scared her like really bad. Bitch got Marie Antoinette syndrome from a dream. That's fucked up. Yeah, I wish we knew what happened in the dream. No, I love that we don't know. That makes it scarier. We have no idea what happened. Like we how her just hair know gray. She was scared. <laughs> that's how scared she was. It just, that's what happened. Y'all, I got one final point. They gaslit the fuck out of her. Really? Goddamn a goddamn hat it was just it didn't make no sense like where did you get this from like she like literally they treated her like she pulled that hat out of her cooter that's how they treated her but i mean like even like the cuts on her arm you can't say those are nails like there ain't no way in hell it's not happening like all of that and then when the hat comes out and marge looks at it and makes that soap opera face like I said, she knows something. 
Her mother got on my nerves. Nancy confronts a day drinking Marge about the hat and points out that the name Fred Krueger is written inside. Although Marge really reveals a bunch of nothing, she just insists that Nancy is safe. No one's going to hurt her because, you know, you just need to get some sleep, girl. Nancy decides to get a little beside herself and talk out the side of her neck to her mama about her drinking issues. And Marge rightfully pops that ass. Marge says, honey, Fred Krueger can't get you because I know myself that he's dead. At this point, Nancy put two and two together and she is boiling after discovering that her parents have been gaslighting her this entire time. She even smashes Marge's bottle and tosses the hat at her chest as she leaves to meet Glenn. You bold, Nancy. But it's also at this moment that Wes Craven points out this is the big switch of the movie. So at this moment, Nancy is becoming the adult and her mom is becoming a child. And it's very clear in the direction because you see Nancy is getting big balls and Ronnie, not Ronnie, and <laughs> that's her real name. And Marge is just kind of like shrinking because once she knows she's wrong, two, it's just like, she's not even trying to deal with this head on. Like she's dealt with this one time, thought she did something and it backfired and now it's after her daughter. So what can you do? Nothing really, but drink. That's all she can do. Hell, if she would have known, she could have channeled Agatha and got a little, got a couple rooms or some shit, but she didn't do that. It's something about the way Nancy just throws the hat. Like, Nancy was for real over it. And I don't blame her. I, I get you. I, I understand. Glenn and Nancy meet up where Nancy reveals that she hasn't slept in over seven days. Glenn notices that Nancy is reading about booby traps and survival, to which she says, I'm into survival. And at this point, Glenn tells Nancy about the Balinese way of sleeping. He informs her that when the Balinese see a monster in their dream, they turn their back on the monster, robbing it of all its energy and power. Upon returning home, Nancy sees that Marge has barred up all of the windows in the house, even the front door. Nancy yells for her mother as Marge on her best Mary Lee Johnston. And if you don't know who that is, please pause the podcast and go look it up and come back at me. On her best Mary Lee Johnston behavior, lights up a cigarette and tells Nancy this is for security as she leads her into the basement. There, Marge finally reveals that Fred Krueger was a child murderer who killed at least 20 children over a decade earlier. Furious, vengeful parents burned him alive in his boiler room hideout after he was released from jail on a technicality due to an improperly signed warrant. She reassures Nancy that Kruger cannot hurt anyone, pulling Kruger's bladed glove from a hiding place in the furnace as proof. Why would you keep the evidence? Because mommy killed him. All right. I guess they had to know it was somewhere. And what's the last place you gonna look? The police's house. They're not even married. Even more reason, because I wouldn't look at her house either. <laughs> even better. The Mary Lee Johnston moment sends me 
because at this point I just know Marge was over everything the way she just slid in that scene and fired up that cigarette I thought Monique's voice was gonna come out her body and that's just what I was expecting it this was where Wes was like yeah she made she was doing her own little movie (laughs) at this moment and I can feel it but I still like it oh I had to google it I had never seen Precious me I either. figured because once again, no one laughed at my joke. So I figured so I, <laughs> it's fine. Later that night, Nancy calls Glenn chilling with his sweatpants and crap top and makes a deal with him. She tells him that she's going into her dreams and she's going to pull the killer out. She requests that Glenn be there to cold clock him when he does, when she does. And when Glenn insists that nothing will happen, Nancy assures him that, you know, then you have nothing to lose and I'm just crazy. Finally, before hanging up, she directs him, whatever you do, don't fall asleep. I know Mr. Ezekiel Elliott on the Cowboys. I know he was doing crops for a minute. I haven't really heard too much from him. I don't know if he's still doing it. I know we got Hoochie Daddy shorts, but I said it once. I said it again. I said it once. I'll say it again. I'm here for the crop tops. So, you know, do with that information what you will, guys. I just want to point out that I enjoyed the fact that Nancy called him out on his shit. Talking about you the job. Talking about what I'm going to clock him with. Don't you have a baseball bat or something? (laughs) But also, I'm just like, why would you even ask him? (laughs) I know that's your boyfriend, but he has already proven to you that like. And also, I didn't like that when she told him not to fall asleep, he just hung up. This is why, once again, I will want to see Black people doing this because we don't take too kindly to being hung up on without any type of confirmation. And I know that I probably would have called back and been like, did you hear me? Anyway, uh, I do like how these houses were genuinely in real life. They're across the street. So when you see those shots of them like talking to each other, they're for real across the street from each other, but the really close-up shots were done on a soundstage. Glenn's mom comes to check on him, considering that he's knocked out with his headphones on and the small TV on the bed. She sends him off to bed around 11.42. At the same time, Marge is also putting Nancy to bed as she collects hella coffee mugs and a coffee pot from her room. Of course, and Nancy wakes up and pulls out the backup coffee pot on deck. Also, this was after she had just drank a cup of coffee and popped some pills. Nancy, I know we got things to do, honey, but I'm very concerned about your health. I need you to slow it down a little bit. Nancy got them pills, baby. Listen, Glenn's father tells his wife that he doesn't want Glenn hanging out with Nancy anymore, claiming she's a lunatic. He reaches the end of his tether and refuses to let Nancy speak to Glenn and then takes the phone off the hook. The phone rings on Nancy's end and she hears a screeching on the other line, causing her to freak out and yank the phone cord from the wall. Ready to sneak out to Glenn's house, the phone rings again. Knowing she ripped the line, she answers the phone anyway to hear Freddie say, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. As Freddie's mouth and tongue appears at the bottom of the phone, licking her face, Nancy freaks the fuck out, knowing this shit is not right. I freaked out too. That was nasty. 
that was five dollars that whole phone thing was five dollars that's it do you know how much people are paying for that today hundreds not footlong prices no ew you don't like subway no (laughs) like i used to be in love with it but then i found out things and i'm just like never no anyway this is not a fucking subway podcast we are talking about a nightmare on elm street um excuse me mr mr uh lance sir mr glenn's dad you're rude also her boyfriend's parents ain't shit but it's so funny to me because you know parents really be doing this shit when they go on the front porch and have their little coffee break but i mean a lot of parents have those sentiments my dad don't like a lot of well i don't want to say a lot but he don't like a few key people in my life my thing is her friends just died you acting like this girl is the killer her friends died. First of all, she only called your house one time. I don't, Her friends I'm not, died. I'm not understanding the smoke. I'm not understanding. She yeah. thinks that she's the the um, what's it called? I mean, I can't think of the word. Catalyst. That could be it. He still can't think of the word. Well, he can't think that she the culprit because I don't everybody think thinks, thought it was Rob. Rob I don't think he Rod. thinks that uh she's the culprit. Magnet. But like that could be a thing. I don't know. I just think he's fucking rude. And no. I mean, if you think about it, I don't, I'm I could see it, like John is saying. Cause it's your child, and then your child don't be around all the shit. He be around it because of her. But everywhere she go, death followed. Like I look, I don't, I don't, I know you ain't killing nobody, but it just seemed like a lot of coincidences that bodies piling up around you. So you know what? I don't like quinky dinks. Get the fuck away from my child. And that's fine. But you ain't gotta be aggressive towards her. Just distance your child. Go in silence if you got to do all that. Don't be aggressive towards her like that. Like, it, it, it ain't called for. I do like how um, Nancy's wound is also bleeding. The one she got from the clinic, like, maybe a day or so before. It's, like, leaking out of the Band-Aid. That's also, like, an indicator that, like, it's about to get real. Nancy tries to go out the front door, but it's locked tight. Marge lies on the couch saying, locked, locked 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 and tells her that she can't leave the house and frustrated nancy screams aloud glenn falls asleep in bed with his television and headphones kruger's arms soon come out of the bed and pulls lynn right into it killing him a torrent of blood and gore shoots out of the bed and drenches the room glenn's mom enters the room and begins screaming in confusion I was screaming in confusion too, because where did that blood come from? Why he take the TV too? I like that the TV fell up in the hole. That's what he was. He well, first of all, he had his stuff plugged up to it, so I kind of like that. That all jagged up in there. Also, this is the one shot. Well, it's not the one, but it is one of the one shots 
Is that a way to say that? Fuck it. It is one of the one shots that you will know when it comes to this movie. Like, if there's going to yeah. be thumbnails that rotate, that motherfucker's one of them. This has, well, it's not an official cover, but this is one of, like, the more animated covers. It's just the blood splashing out the bed, and you see a nightmare on the street on top. But rightfully so, no. This scene, and once again, they use that rotating room. But this time, when they did it, they could only do it one time. Because obviously, once you pour that blood, that's it. Like, you can't go back. It ain't no redress in the scene, no none of that. So once they rotated the room and the blood started pouring, the blood hit a lamp, and then it caused it to pick up a little electric current and zap the guy that was pouring the blood and knocked him off his mark. So when it did that, it knocked everything, and the room just started to shift. So that's why you start seeing the blood just start leaning to the left, because they were still filming. So they had to use it. They couldn't just cut. They had to just go with what they had. But I think that makes it look even scarier, because it's just like, you have no idea what's going on. Like once he got pulled into that bed, I don't know what happened, but something happened and this was the result. It was like a, ha- a happy accident. Like the painter said, shit just worked out. The death was also gonna be longer. And in the deleted scene, it shows Johnny Depp's body coming back out the bed, but I'm definitely glad they cut it. Cause that wouldn't have made sense to me. You know, every time I watch it, I know it's not, but the sheet looks like like a body that's been pulled inside out. Like if you look at the shot and look at the scene and you're just looking at the blood coming up and the sheet is like right there. If you're not- Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. It, so not having his body is perfect because it looks like his body is like slightly coming out of it. An emotionally distraught and mentally drained Nancy decides to take on Kruger herself. She calls on her father, who is on the scene next door at the moment or across the street, and asks him to be ready when she finds the killer. He tells her he will, but he's clearly just humoring his overly tired daughter and tells his deputy to watch that house. Nancy then sets her traps, has a heart-to-heart with her mom, sets her watch, says a prayer, and goes to sleep to find Freddy Krueger. Okay. So rewind a little bit. So at this point, all the police have come over to Glenn's house. And the first thing or one of the first things we see or that we hear again is blood dripping. And then we look up, the ceiling is leaking. It took me to fuck out when everybody was getting there and they were talking about um, get the stretcher. And that motherfucker was like, no, you need a mop. And that my ass was like, no, you need the losers. Cause that's a lot of fucking blood. You got to get cleansed. Okay. The losers club would have cleaned that all the way up. Okay. <laughs> I'm still confused as to like, why was so much blood? Like that was a lot of fucking blood. It's Freddie. You don't question that man. <laughs> he made it happen. And he got a thing for beds too. Who was Freddie or Freddie of course I mean of course but you know the heart-to-heart that Nancy has with her mom I think that's another stepping stone of Nancy quote-unquote becoming the adult in the situation because literally look at the position like Marge is literally in the bed 
Nancy's tucking her in. She even takes the bottle away from her as if like a baby bottle. Obviously, we know it's alcohol, but like symbolically, it's literally like she's tucking her mom in and she has business to handle. But that whole scene between them, I think it's just very it kind of makes their relationship grow a little bit because yeah, she's been getting gaslit the entire movie, but now she kind of has more of an understanding, but also her mom leaves her with a piece of advice. Like, you know, sometimes you really just got to turn your back on that shit and do what you do and you're going to be good. So I don't know. I feel like we just don't get a lot of that in these movies. We really don't. I like the fact that they had that moment. Nancy walks down the stairs through her house and into the basement. She notices Freddie's glove is missing from the furnace and then discovers a door leading to the boiler room. Walking toward the smoke, she hears Tina call her and soon enough she finds Rod's switchblade, Tina's crucifix, and later Glenn's bloody headphones. At this point, Freddie is watching Nancy and Freddie lunges at her, but she takes off down the spiral stairs and quickly jumps off the side of them, sending her down onto the rose bushes in front of her house. Frustrated and running out of time, 10 seconds to be exact, she yells for Freddie, who pops out of the bushes, and Nancy tackles his ass and holds on tight as her alarm goes off and she wakes up in her bed, seemingly alone. Nancy, that bitch for this shit. No, she really is. First of all, what final girl you know pray? Have you ever seen a final girl pray before she goes and finds the villain? I haven't. Uh-uh. I actually sat here and thought about it for a hot second. No, I ain't seen them pray before. Like, no. she she really that bitch. Yes. Like, if there was any question in your mind of whether she was that bitch or not, and a Dreamwalker's guide to catching the killer didn't convince you, this is that fucking moment now is the motherfucking time like i know it was, a lot of people when it comes to this part they talk about how unrealistic it is because of the timing like she called her dad i want to say like at a little bit after 12 by the time they got off the phone she had about 20 minutes to do her plan and at the end of the 20 minutes he was supposed to be coming to wake her up but i'm like the thing you gotta know about people is when they got their mindset on something they got their mindset nancy had been reading that book we know she ain't been putting no booby traps together, but if Wes wants me to believe she did that in 10 minutes and fell asleep in the next 10 minutes, then I'm going to believe it. Because one thing about me, I can fall asleep in 10 minutes. I got to be dead tired. Am I going to wake up at 3 a.m. with insomnia? Yes. But initially, I can fall asleep. That's not a problem. Hell, she was sleep deprived and fighting it, so it ain't. It's not questionable. She could go to fucking sleep. And I mean, if you got a whole fucking guide on booby traps and you've been fucking pouring over it because you ain't been been to sleep, it don't take long to know how to do something because you don't see yourself doing it so many times. Like that bitch was ready. Again, I love the transition from, well, I love that it starts with a zoom in on Nancy's face and she just hears like the voices of her friends and things like that. Um, I also like that the transition from her falling asleep to the dream and you just see her walking down the stairs. I absolutely adore that. Nancy walks down the stairs through her house and into the basement. She notices Freddie's glove is missing from the furnace and then discovers a door leading to the boiler room. Last thing on this part, 
I love that Nancy is actually calling to Freddie. She's like, Freddie, I'm here. Like, Nick, where are you? Once again, there's no bitch in her body. And that is a surefire way to drive out, to drag out somebody is to call their name and call their bluff. Because let me tell you, motherfucker be like, I'm here. I'm a want to get your ass with everything in my fucking body. Like, oh, you think you tough, bitch? And I mean, she is, of course. So of course he gonna come fast as fuck. Of course he gonna hop out the motherfucking bushes. Because she cold. I just, I don't know no other final girl that's running towards the danger. I really don't. Sydney started doing it in the later, not the first movie. Later, she had a lot more urgency of actively going to seek them, but I don't Nancy. know nobody that wants to smoke. No, not no teenagers, not like this. Nancy run towards the danger with fucking open, open arms. Literally. She did. <laughs> I'm thinking of Freddie running down that alley. Um, sitting on her bed and assuming that she is crazy, Freddie jump scares her again and tries to kill her. Having prepared those traps beforehand, Nancy proves more than a match for Freddie, leading him through hell to get to her. Locking him in her room behind the sledgehammer rig door, she opens the window and continuously calls out for help to the officer her dad had watching the house. Nancy screams, get my dad, you asshole. And then he moves that fat tub alert ass and gets Lieutenant Thompson. At this point, Freddie is on Nancy's ass, but she still taunts him. Come on, Freddie, can't you catch me? She leads him down to the basement where she douses him in her mama's alcohol and sets him on fire. Um, deputies, so-and-so, I know that's not your name. That's the deputy from Sinister, but I, for life of me, cannot remember his name in this movie. But your name is Sheriff Birkenstream, so you can be Sheriff Burke in this movie. What are you doing? This is why you got transferred to Woodsboro because you couldn't handle the heat in Springwood, okay? Why that would you wait? You wasn't no good. No, like that girl was hollering, not hollering. She was hollering for help. And you just, maybe I should go get the lieutenant. She bust the whole fucking window. She out this bitch hollering. And you like, huh? Maybe I should. I would have said way more than go get my dad asshole because literally he's just staring like I am confusion. Okay, I was a little like it kind of feared me a little bit when she's screaming, daddy, he's in here. Don't let him kill me. Because, yeah, like I literally because could you imagine had that situation went left? Like she literally told you what was happening and you just pussyfooted around and now all of the kids on Elm Street, well, not all of them, but this little batch is, is finito, is raps. Because she literally screaming for her goddamn daddy. And he like, you know, this bitch tripping. The amount of fear and terror she had in that voice and she calling this nigga daddy. Yeah. She, she need help. She need help, even if it's in her mind. She need fucking help, so you should be getting her other parental figure. Because clearly mama ain't doing something. Cause she ain't screaming. She's screaming first of all, and Mama ain't came nowhere. That I mean, should be a red flag. I mean, even when you think about it, when Lieutenant Thompson sends Sheriff Burke to um, watch the house, he's like, "Watch my daughter's house." He doesn't say Marge. 
he don't even mention her. He just his priority is Nancy. And I mean, I get that, but I still feel like at the end of the day, it don't matter. Like that's still a female. Like they, we all need to be protected. I don't care. Like, but it's so crazy that he's just like, yeah, no, Nancy, watch her house. Like watch my daughter's house. But speaking of tripping, let's talk about these booby traps. The sledgehammer rig door, the exploding lamp, the trip wire, rigging the door lock and making it longer so Freddie can't just easily get out the door. Who the fuck you know? Because I don't see her. Line the final girls up. I don't see her. Real recognize real and you looking unfamiliar to me because um. No, ain't nobody else. This no. bitch was ready. No. You know, the only person I could think of that did some shit like this ain't it's Aaron. This. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> who I was for the fuck is the ain't and not, this time And period. not from last week. Not that Aaron. We talking about Aaron Hansen. No, no not that t-shirt. Bitch. Not t-shirt. <laughs> tank top. <laughs> not tank top. Not tank top. We talking about Austin. We talking about circle neck. Scoop neck, Aaron. That's what we talking about. Cause that bitch was ready, but <laughs> up until her, no, wasn't nobody doing no shit that she did. Nancy Mm-mm. is the shit. When you know how one not to break a filament in the light bulb, cause you could have, she could have fucked up there, and then it wouldn't have came on any fucking ways. Mm-hmm. But still, bust that bitch open while still keeping the light bulb intact and filling it with gunpowder. Like this bitch was ready. She emptied out shotgun shells for this she's into survival and she was not playing and you know and you know she was doing her thing because freddie is pissed freddie is livid the shit he's saying to her stuff like i'm gonna split you in two i'm gonna kill you slow and the way she just taunts him my favorite line of nancy is when he finally gets out of her room and he rolls down the stairs because he falls over the banister. Because now that he's in the dream world, he can get hurt. Like he can get fucked up. This ain't his playground no more. When he rolls down the stairs and she just steps over him and she turns around and she's like, come on, Freddie, can't you catch me? That bitch. I'm speechless. I got goosebumps. I I legit, I know y'all see my arm. I have goosebumps. Because I don't know nobody else. Mm-mm. Only bitch I know came years later. I, I, that's it. That's the only one I know. I found another chick better than I don't see her. And even then, <laughs> she wasn't self-taught. So, she in a category. Nancy literally figured this out on her own. Her parents was not helping. Glenn barely helped. <laughs> nobody helped this girl this girl did this stood on her own 10 toes okay honey because listen Uh, she went from a spoiled fucking bat a spoiled fucking brat to a survivalist in like a fucking week do you hear me seven fucking days niggas was getting killed in the ring (laughs) niggas was getting killed in the ring samara fucking that ass up in seven days all right Nancy don't became a whole fucking survivalist in this bitch. Listen. That's good planning. Okay. When um, she throws the fire on him, he knew he fucked up because he was in the corner like cowering. He knew it was raps. But speaking of that, that whole fire scene, one take. Now, obviously, 
if you look at your screen and you don't have to look really close, you notice that Freddie got a little thick. <laughs> Obviously, that was for the stunt. But that stunt was one take. And the stunt went on longer than intended. It was supposed to stop when Freddie rolled down the stairs. Except the stuntman gets up and goes up the stairs again and then finally lays down. And then that's when they put him out. And I'm just like. Y'all. Y'all really got to appreciate that. Somebody was really on fucking fire. That is dedication. This motherfucker said, hold my shit. You want me to do three seconds? I got 13. Right. Ain't you burning? We're not talking about in the not fun way. I mean, all ways are fun. But always are not fun oh my god <laughs> this motherfucker was literally on fire i don't know what you're saying His oh my god slashes on fire okay because I, I, you I, know I what i thought i'm gonna set this bitch on fire that's the one i went with i know i know i don't know why alicia popped in my exonium bang with her like that for real but anyway nancy locks him in the basement and finally gets her father and the rest of the police to help After discovering that Freddie has escaped by the trail of fiery footsteps leading upstairs, Nancy and her father witness Freddie choking and smothering Marge with his flaming thick body. (laughs) As as Lieutenant Donald Thompson smothers the fire, he lifts up the blanket, revealing Marge's corpse sinking into the bed, seeming to wave at he and Nancy as she descends into the unknown. Hell no. Hell no. No, because this is the part that really troubles me because this is the part where I'm like, what the fuck happened to her? Same. Because if the lights were red, then I would be like, oh, she went to the depths of hell. But because the lights are blue, that's what gets me because I'm just like, I mean, I guess you could just say she went into the dream world, I guess. But we never hear from this lady again. Like she comes up in Dream Warriors, but not physically, obviously. But geez, I just you don't know which plane she died in. Actually, you don't know whether she died in the dream world or the actual world, because because of how it was the little waving bye bye scene. You know, ain't no way in fuck this woman can wave bye bye. She's burnt to a crisp, uh, past a crisp. She looks like, and if y'all ain't see this movie, it, it whatever, I don't care because I'm tired of talking in secret. She looked like one of the, um, damn, one of the Stoll sisters. I don't even think their last name is Stoll, but that's what's popping out in my head. She looks like one of those sisters from Sleepaway Camp that Angela fucking dealt with. And if you know, you know, that's exactly what Marge's corpse looked like. First of all, she looked worse than the lesser ass when they seen her in that goddamn bed. Number two, this motherfucker. I lost it. I'll be back to it. I literally lost it mid-thought. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Oh, I found it. This motherfucker literally looks like somebody put a hot dog on the grill. Oh my God. While they was lighting it. So before the coals don't got hot and ready and that flame just sparking the fuck up, you just toss the damn hot dog on there with a little skeleton inside. And that's what the fuck you got left with. That That's March. She it just, I just, when Nancy's like, do you believe me now? 
Because what I dare, I triple dog dare you to say no. I triple dog dare you to gaslight me. Because I will call Freddie now and just let him have at you. <laughs> the bitch don't disappear into a whole fucking bed that don't smoothed out. What other questions you got? Like when I say this movie is filled with TikTok transitions. <laughs> but why would you just leave your child in that room after your wife, ex-wife, whatever, just disappeared and just in there? Like- and he was like, fuck that bitch anyways. Well... As Wes describes it, once again, this was Nancy having to face this on her own. So in most horror movies, and we brought this up earlier, there's really no parental guidance in most horror movies. So much so that it's become a trope that the parents are useless. Even in this movie, we've seen how the parents, first of all, it's their fault. Second, well, it's whoever didn't sign that document. It's really their fault. But it's also the parents' fault because they fucking started it. But um once Freddie is brought to light, they're all just trying to dismiss it and act like it's not a thing when really they could have been helping out the whole time. So since you're not going to help, you don't need to be a part of this journey now when I'm trying to get over this. And this is literally something she had to do on her own. So we have to remember that this is still a dream. So anything can go in a dream. To circle back to our Sims reference, you know, when you play in the Sim. And you get uh you get your character to cancel out something like mid progress, like while they're doing it in the middle, and you yeah. send their ass somewhere else. That's exactly what this scene looked like. Like this yeah. shit was on fire, and he's like, okay. And then someone just said, cancel, go in the living room, and that nigga right. just promptly just walked the fuck out. Right. <laughs> like he ain't seen nothing no more. Right. No, that was a good one. But yeah, no, that's all it is. After sending her father away, Nancy turns her back as Freddie rises from under the bed sheets as they turn bloody and he rips himself free. Nancy faces Freddie by mm-mm. Nancy still with her back turned faces Freddie by taking her energy back and no longer fearing him and wishes for all of his victims, including her mother, to be back as she walks out of the door of her mother's bedroom, destroying Freddie. Freddie was like, bitch, what? You take back, excuse me. And here's the thing, and I didn't mention this because I really didn't know where, but if you notice throughout this movie, it's one thing I like about this movie. When we first meet Freddie, his voice is super high. And as he goes through the movie and he's killing people and absorbing souls, because if you don't know about Freddie, he's the original Pennywise where he works off fear and works off clout. Like the more you talk about him, the more you scare him. That's how he thrives. And the more that this happens, you notice that his voice gets deeper and deeper and darker to this final part where he's talking to her like it legit sounds like a demon speaking to Nancy and he is just perplexed that she would dare take her energy and her time back you'll float too how dare you the scene changes to the next morning bright as ever as Nancy gets in a car with Glenn and the rest of her friends as they're on the way to school Freddie possesses the car as she gets in and the car drives away with Nancy screaming for her mother and Marge being pulled through the door window by Freddie's bladed glove while the jump rope girls sing that song. That bitch went through a tiny ass window. I hate this damn ending. Goddamn I hate mannequin. this ending. So I breezed through it earlier, but the thing about this ending is once again, Bob Shay was like, well, I had been watching horror movies and I know that at a lot of the end of these, 
there's always that one final gotcha. We don't like that. We actually hate that, Bob. <laughs> so please mind your business. Don't suggest anything else, actually. Um, it's like I understand what he meant, but like I said, that was that was not it. So apparently this had a few different endings. So one of the endings was Freddie was going to be driving the car. Um, in theory, the first shot I saw, once again, it was like a TikTok transition. You see Nancy in the car like this, like this is Nancy. And then she just moves her head and it's Freddie and not Glenn in the chair. That was cute. But when they showed, when I watched it, on the disc, it was it was shot different and I didn't like it at all. It was literally a front view of Freddie driving and he's just got that maniacal smile. I wasn't a fan. No, obviously I didn't get a chance to see. Only ending I know that I've seen is the car one. The beep beep where he is the car. Like he don't trap their asses and it slam shut. The original ending. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen the other one, but you know, it's funny when you're talking about it, I see it, which means that I probably have seen it and it's not me visualizing it. Like I see the shit happening. Mm -hmm. Like I see the slide of the, the head. So yeah, I think I did see it. I just don't remember it. Well, see, they don't show that one. This one that I saw was in Nancy's documentary and it's literally just, like I said, it's her. She moves her head and you see Freddie and that was shot well. But the one that I seen, the other clip wasn't shot like that. It was just like, they just show Freddie, like kind of how we're in these screens and he's just driving and smiling maniacally. So that's why I wasn't too much a fan of that particular version. But then also when you think about it, if you go with that version, then it's like, well, did they survive or no? And knowing how the franchise goes, that don't make sense. So then the second alternate ending was just Marge dying. So Nancy and them was just going to drive off. The hood doesn't come up. So we don't even see the red and green stripes. Like we have no indication that Freddie is even around. It's just Marge that gets pulled into the window. And then the third alternate ending is nobody dies. The car hood doesn't come up. Marge doesn't get snatched through the window. The movie just ends and you see the jump rope girls. Now, you know, me being me, I'm going to have an issue with one of them. I couldn't have an ending when nobody dies. Yeah. Mm -mm. Somebody got to get it. Yeah. Now, see, no, here's how I would have forgave that last ending. And because for a second, I almost believe this is how the movie was until I started paying more attention. I always thought that this was meant to be a loop. Because... At the beginning of the movie, the kids are pulling up in Glenn's car. And at the end of the movie, they're driving off in Glenn's car. But here's all the issues with that theory. And this is why this can't be. None of them have on the same clothes that they have on in the first scene. And also, um, Rod wasn't in the car with them. He just met up with them when they pulled up. So, like, if they all would have had on the same clothes from the beginning and it was just those three in the car and maybe Rod, like, flew past on a motorcycle or something, I'd have like, oh, shit, this is a loop. And she about to experience all of this shit. This is like a premonition. Oh, my God. Final destination. I love it. Like, I would have liked that, but that wasn't the case either. Hell, it still would have worked if they would have changed their clothes because, you know, you can have the same dream twice. So I think, well, no, it's not the same thing. If they would have had it like she's redreaming, 
Well, no, I'm saying like if the entire movie was a dream, the end she finally wakes up, but it's going into actually what happened in the dream, but now it's real. Like this is about to happen. Like it's a premonition. Yeah, with mine, it's just like she's having, like you're saying, having the same dream, Mm -hmm. but the people keep changing. So they're the same people, but like the outfits happen. Because, you know, sometimes you can have, like you were saying, you can have the same recurring dream, but little small details change. And so it would have worked if he wouldn't have been in the car and they clothes could have changed if they would have done it like that. Where only the small little bit, like what they're wearing is changed. So that way your mind knows you're having the same dream, but it takes you a second to realize that it's the same dream because a few things have like been shifted. I got you. And that was a nightmare on Elm Street 1984. Ratings. So a nightmare on Elm Street got a 7.4 out of 10 on INDB, a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 76% on Metacritic. Also 89% of Google users. Hold on, let's change that real quick. Oh, no, percent didn't change when I liked it. Well, 89% of Google users liked this movie. What are you guys' ratings? How do you feel about this one? I gave this movie a 70, well, 70 tickets. It didn't tug at my heartstrings. You know, horror movies got that me makes something. me so sad. I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I don't know. I don't know if it was because of the way she was holding her mouth. Or maybe I just didn't like watch it at the right time. Like kind of like how I didn't watch Blair Witch at the right time. So, you know, but I gave Blair Witch a terrible rating. I did not give this a terrible rating. It's still. Yeah, no, this yeah. isn't bad. It's just breaking my heart. Men condition breaking my heart. Maybe the later movies, you know, maybe I keep watching. But the first one, it was just kind of like, okay. It's like, you know what? I feel like you might actually mess with MTV Freddy. MTV era Freddie, you might actually like that more than serious Freddie. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. Yeah, see, I just gotta keep going to the franchise. Yeah, because I'm like, you might like funny Freddie more than serious Freddie. I don't know. Now, what was funny was how he was running down the street. Like, why was he running like that? <laughs> you've been, ever <laughs> since you said that, you've been having me think about that, especially because here it's a lot of alleys. So I'll just be imagining this fool. <laughs> it look weird. Okay, before Britney goes, I just want to get this out. And I don't, I'm not trying to, I know me and Britney, you know, because I'm going to throw myself in the bucket with my girl Britney, because I will try to like fight for your points. And this might not change anything. But do y'all know Freddie is only in this movie for seven minutes total? I mean, I can see that. It was basically about the kids. It baffles me every time. Now, like I said, uh, when we get into the first three movies are like regular base Freddy. Then you got MTV era, which is like four or five. And then you got, okay, I guess I got those six in there. Sorry, Cole. And then we have a more serious <laughs> Freddy. <laughs> Britney's laughing because she know Cole loves that daggone six movie, but that six movie is just like, ooh, Jesus. Ooh, she love <laughs> the fuck out that shit. I love you, Cole, but goddamn. Right. Like, damn. damn, Cole. I can defend four and five, but six, six, honey. 
She goes strong for it too. Go up strong as hell. You be like, oh, why? And then I definitely didn't do the Freddie. Like when everybody was like, ooh, Freddie versus Jason. Never saw that either. Like, wow. Wait, hold on. Wait, really? wait, wait you, you ain't seen Freddie versus Jason? Mm. Oh, I, I definitely wouldn't. Right. <laughs> it's because remember, <laughs> remember that for the podcast, that was also my first time watching Friday the 13th. So yeah. I had no interest in seeing Freddy versus Jason because I know what the fuck was going on. So what was the point of me going to watch it? And I'd never seen all for, these movies. To be fair, you don't need to have seen any, any of, if you just know who Freddy and Jason is, you can watch Freddy versus Jason and be fine. I know, but still. No, you know, I get it. I, I like know you're a purist. I know. Wait. Chronological Is one of your order. hands black and the other one of your hands white? Yes. I love that shit. Okay, and then y'all. this <laughs> foot is black and then the other foot's white. She's a so, very freaky girl. <laughs> Something got me. I, she was talking and I was like, hmm, it looked like there's two different colors. You know, we've been recording this whole time and my black ass ain't noticed it. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to put that out there my man's is only in this movie for seven minutes and some of the good movies i'm only gonna name one but beetlejuice i knew you was gonna bring that up because yes he's only in there for like 14 15 minutes michael keaton ass only in there for a hot second and make that movie movie his bitch (laughs) movie is fire okay love that movie then with that cat house that you didn't get with the cat house until you got older (laughs) Sorry, I love that movie. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Jump in the line. All together, I'm fine. Okay, I believe you. Shake, Jimmy shake, shoulders. shake, senora. Shake it all the time. Okay, <laughs> fuck it. Let's keep it moving. I'm going to get this movie 80 tickets. Yeah, Ooh. I think 80's fitting. I like it. I love to see it. There was dedication. There was some arguments over stairs that should have been some type of consistency that wasn't. We just gonna let them stairs go. And that was just <laughs> fucked up dream sequences. You can't fucking beat it, okay? I deserve 80 tickets for me. You know what movie this got higher than Scream? Okay, anyways, that's all I had to say. <laughs> During final girl summer, we're supposed to be you and ITY, sis. <laughs> it is unity. <laughs> it is unity, okay? Um, for me, obviously, y'all y'all knew from the very jump I was going to give this 100 tickets. You knew. Um, Freddie is my absolute fave. Nancy is my absolute fave. I don't, the only thing I wish would have been different about this movie is the very ending. I wish it really would have been a loop. I wish someone would have thought of that because that just would have made this movie even more timeless than it is. Um... I really don't know what else to say about this. Not me getting good. I'm always getting goosebumps. I think my body be lying to me because I get goosebumps about anything at this point. But um, yeah, this is a movie that I will, like Chucky, I'll watch Chucky anytime. A Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm not watching it like that because I really do like want to savor the moment. <laughs> um yeah, I think there's nothing else for me to say about this because, I mean, I've poured my heart out throughout the whole review. So, yeah, I'm just going to settle on that 100. I just feel like this movie was definitely lightning in a bottle. They didn't know it was going to take off like this. They didn't know that all of this was going to come out of it. And, you know, 
Shout out to Mr. Craven. Ooh, ooh.